With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up? Jason Tatum here. Ball up wherever you are with NBA 2K Mobile. Playing game events to collect NBA legends and rising stars to assemble your dream team and settle things on the court. Download NBA 2K Mobile now on the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Pick Aside Podcast. My name is Joel Moran and I'm here with Jack Bartek and Riv. And this is now episode 68. In this episode, we will talk about the best potential fits for J.J. Watt and where we want to see him go. Orlando Brown demanding a trade, if the Texans will trade Deshaun Watson, and we will preview the offseason for the AFC North and the AFC South teams. That includes the Ravens, the Browns, the Steelers, the Bengals, the Titans, the Colts, the Texans, and the Jaguars. We hope that you enjoy the show. Jack and I were talking about this earlier, but these off-season previews drag. These videos drag. You guys have no idea how much research goes in, into these into these segments, especially the off-season ones. I feel like I'm researching for hours, and I feel like I still don't know nearly enough that I need to know to really explain everything that I want to explain. Yeah, it's pretty crazy when you're looking into other people's teams. Like you, you almost feel like an out, like such an outsider looking into this stuff. I don't know. That's just the way I feel. Yeah, because there are people that only watch their teams and they, they're so knowledgeable about it. And then some people who have only watched like maybe four or five games talk about it. And you miss a lot of stuff when you haven't watched all 16 games. But before we get into the podcast, we are going to shout out the people that rated us on Apple Podcasts and wrote us a review. So far, we have 16 reviews and these have been the written ones. Five stars from Will C Will C O C B. Huge fan of the podcast. Listen every upload. Keep up the good work. Y'all are going to the top soon. Much love from the four two five. And the four two five is Seattle. Oh yes. Wow. And then on Thursday, somebody rated it five stars and said, "This is the podcast for you." Uh, it had no name. It was just five exclamation points. <laughs> so shout out to you. And then. Somebody named DJ Ice 44 said three college kids with good knowledge of sports going head to head with their opinions. Well done and entertaining. We appreciate that. And then Wes N period wrote, listen to these guys every day. They are great. Also, they have a YouTube channel that is pretty sweet as well. They post all the time. Love these guys. So every new review that we get, we are going to read it on the podcast and shout you guys out. So shout out to shout out to Wes N, DJ Ice 44, five exclamation points, and, oh, and, and Will COCB. Oh, the name was five. It was literally just yes, five, it was exclamation. five exclamation points. I thought you were saying points. there was five exclamation yeah. points in the answer. Yes. Dope. And before we start, the passing of a great NFL wide receiver happened today. Vincent Jackson, extremely sad. He was only 38, I believe, but he was a fantastic player. He played for this team, the Buccaneers, <laughs> the team I'm wearing right now. He played for the Chargers. 
he was an excellent receiver. So praise out to his family and may he rest in peace. Really tragic uh, story and incident that happened. Yeah, man, it's crazy. Younger than 40 years old, it's just senseless. And, you know, I, I know they didn't come out with what happened yet, but may whoever did that, it, may, you know, karma catches up. So, <laughs> Well, they rule this day. That's uh, Rest in peace. Yeah, rest in peace. So we're going to start out this show about uh, talking about J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt recently got released by the Texans, and they freed up $17 million in cap space in the process of doing that. J.J. Watt has been rumored to be going to a bunch of teams. A bunch of teams are interested in him. And in this segment, we're going to talk about what team you want to see J.J. Watt go to. So I'll start out with you, Jack. What team do you want to see J.J. Watt go to? Well, in one aspect... Part of me wants to see him go to the Steelers just because playing with his brother in that elite defense would be such an awesome thing to see. You know, I, I think just him playing with TJ would be so cool. I can only imagine not only playing at that level with a brother in the same league, but playing on the same team at such a high level. And on top of that, it would free up J.J. Watt. He was one of the most doubled players in all of football last year. So freeing having them free each other up would be crazy to see, but... With the Steelers' cap situation, I don't know how realistic that is. I would like to see him with the Packers. I, I know they came up short again this year, and I feel like that's been their MO the past couple of seasons, but the, the window's shrinking, and we heard the talks about Aaron Rodgers this offseason potentially moving on. Who knows how true that was, and if they don't win a ring this upcoming season or they fall short again, who knows how much those talks can intensify this upcoming offseason, this next offseason, I should say. And I feel like bringing in J.J. Watt would be a huge addition to that defense. It would show that they're committed to, to going all in with this small window. And I feel like he would be a great fit there in Green Bay. T.J. Watt um, wasn't doubled much last year. So it'll definitely free up J.J. TJ, well, yeah, no, J.J., yeah, not T.J. T.J. was already freed up. Um, I'll say this. These are the teams that I have that I'm eyeing. The Bills, the Chargers, the Rams, the Packers, and the Steelers, and the Titans as well, if I didn't mention them. I'll say this. The Titans and um, who's else in it is in their division? The Titans, the Colts. The Colts have also Texas been a rumored team. Yeah. The Titans and Colts have been rumored. I don't think J.J. Watt goes to a division rival. I just don't think that's his character. I think he's going to go to a team that's going to be outside the division, not a team that he's faced twice a year for the past how many years he's been with the Texans. Um, so I'll talk about the Bills. Jerry Hughes, J.J. Watt, Ed Oliver, and Vernon Butler. I think that's a very, very good defensive line. You look at the Chargers pairing up with Joey Bosa. That would be elite. The Rams, Aaron Donald, and J.J. Oh Watt on the same defensive line. That is unblockable. The Packers with Zadarius Smith, J.J. Watt, Kenny Clark, and Rashawn Gary. That is a nightmare. And then the Titans, if he does go there, J.J. Watt, Jeffrey Simmons, Harold Landry, and Daquan Jones, if they keep him, and the Steelers, J.J. Watt, T.J. Watt, Cameron Hayward, and Steven Tewitt. I mean, that is an elite defensive line, and Tyson Alualu is there too. He's a fantastic defender. There are so many places, but me personally, I want to see J.J. Watt go to the Buffalo Bills. When I think about the city of Buffalo – and how they carry themselves, and the passion they show towards their team, the Bills. And I think about J.J. Watt 
and the passion that he shows towards the city that he's playing for. I just think it's a match made in heaven. I know that the the story would sound so much better with TJ Watt, but when you look at the Steelers, they don't need more defense. Sure, it would help, but they don't need more defense. They are already fine how they are. When you look at the Bills, their biggest needs are edge rusher and running back. J.J. Watt fills out that edge rusher position, and he can make that Bills defense dominant. And that's why I'd like to see him with the Bills. I think they can make it work by restructuring some contracts. I think they have enough cap space if they free up some guys and cut them. The Packers, it's going to be really hard. The Chargers, it's a possibility, but I think J.J. Watt wants to go to a contender right now. I don't think that's the Chargers right now. The Rams, money problem, money's going to be an issue. And the Titans, money's going to be an issue too. So I think the Bills are the most realistic possibility, and I want to see him go to the Buffalo Bills. Well, I, I'm on the Josh wave. I kind of wanted to be a homer, and I wanted to see him go play in Pittsburgh because not just T.J. Watt's there, Derek Watt's there too, both of his brothers. So I just wanted to see him play with T.J. Watt. I think that would be incredible. But two teams I was thinking about, I, I had Dallas on my mind. You know, I thought Dallas would be good for him. I don't know how their cap situation is a little strict, and they still have Dak. They didn't pay him yet. But I thought uh, Dallas would be a good spot from another team. Joel already said, I think Buffalo, because I'm, I'm a real big fan of Josh Allen. I think they're the next team that's ready to make that leap into a championship contender. And I think getting J.J. Watt would definitely do that for them. I think getting him there would definitely help the edge spot and make that defense elite. But another team I also thought about was Baltimore. I thought Baltimore, with their cap space and Calais Campbell, he's getting old. I think bringing in J.J. Watt will definitely assure that defense. Their secondary is already elite. One of the best secondaries in the league. I think that front seven will be unstoppable with J.J. Watt. And then, you know, you just fill up the holes in the wide receiver, and I think you'll be good. The Ravens need an edge rusher, so that would make a lot of sense. Um, yeah, they Calais could, Campbell. They could lose uh, Matt Judon and, and Yannick this offseason. So yeah. Could, Matt Yannick? Judon. Yannick? Yannick, Yannick. <laughs> Matt Judon. I think Matt Judon is extremely overrated. Mm. They franchise tagged him last year because they knew that he, he wasn't it. he wasn't worth a long term contract. I think Matt Hudon, when you look at his production and his stats, they look they look pretty good. But when you dig deeper, he's not worth the money that he wants to get. So I think he's gone. Yannick Ngakwe, a team probably is gonna bet on him to go back to that Jacksonville Yannick Ngakwe. Mm. Um, he hasn't been that with Minnesota or with Baltimore this past season, and I think he was playing out of position in Baltimore. They had him more as a as a 3-4 outside linebacker. I think he's a 4-3 edge rusher. So that's why I think it was a bad fit. J.J. Watt to Baltimore makes perfect sense. Calais Campbell, J.J. Watt, that would be fantastic. They have the money, too. And they're a contender. So Yeah, they are a contender. It, it really depends. I mean, it depends on what J.J. Watt wants to do. Is he Is he going to be willing to take a massive pay cut because I think if, he would. if he were if he were to go to Green Bay, I mean the pay cut he would have to take would be massive. But you also got to look at it like how much does he really value well, going after a ring? Because well, the me, Packers well then, are probably one of the best contenders. If that's that he the case, landed. if he's gonna not take the money, do you think Tampa Bay's in his sights? I think they would rather splurge for Shaquille Barrett before, uh, or Shaq Lawson, not Barrett, Shaq Lawson before. Uh, they went out and brought in J.J. Watt. Wait, Shaq Lawson. You mean Shaquille you Barrett. Mean? I think Shaq you meant Shaquille. Shaq, yeah. You <laughs> I meant Shaq Barrett. Oh, yeah, I, I doubted Shaq. myself. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know you said Shaq. it first, and then yeah. you just flipped and went to Shaq yeah, Lawson. Shaq Lawson's on the Dolphins. Yeah. Now, but uh, 
I mean, yeah, I could see that, but I, I think that if you're picking between J.J. Watt and Shaq Barrett, I would go J.J. Watt. Um, Shaq Barrett, I think they could bring in Shaq Barrett and Watt. Like, if Watt wants to take that much of yeah, a pay saying, cut. If he takes a pay cut, he might like as well They can the bring in both of those guys. I don't see a problem with that. I that really would be, don't. That would be ridiculous if they could do that. Because right now, I mean, it's Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul. That Those are their edge rushers. If you can bring in Shaq Barrett and replace JPP with J.J. Watt, well, yeah, of course. then you Ooh. do it. But I don't think that J- – I think it's a balance with J.J. Watt. It's winning a ring, but I think it's three things that factor into this. Winning a ring and ha- well, having one of the best possible chances to win a ring, the money and the city and situation and how he thinks he's going to fit into the culture I think there. Buffalo would give him yeah. that best chance. All things considered, the Bills would probably make the most sense, factoring in all three of those things. They could give him that big con- or fairly big contract. They could give him the chance and to win a ring. Yeah. I think they're the second-best team in the AFC going into next season, as things stand right now. Obviously, we have to see how the offseason plays out. And Buffalo is in, an insane city. You know, you know how much dope. passion they have, so... Uh, like you said, I think he would fit right in there. The only reason I don't want him there is because <laughs> I'm a Jet fan. Uh, you guys, man, Jets fans. When J.J. Watt got released, a lot of fans were kind of uh, upset at it. It was because, mutual. Yeah, but I was here. I was seeing a lot of stuff on uh, social media about how how come J.J. Watt got released and they haven't granted Deshaun Watson's trade yet. There are two reasons to that. One. By releasing J.J. Watt, the Texans saved $17 million in cap space. So this made sense for the for the Texans. If Deshaun Watson were to get traded right now in this instant, the Texans would take on a cap hit, a dead cap hit of $22 million. Right now, they only have $10 million in cap space, but they can have about $28 million with some cuts that I think are really likely. Um, if the Texans wait until June, after June 1st, if they trade Deshaun Watson, that cap hit, that dead cap hit, is going to be split in half. So it's going to be, they'd only have to pay $10 million of dead cap. So that's why I don't think, if Deshaun Watson is going to get traded, I don't think it's going to happen soon. It's probably going to happen after June. And after June, who even knows if that's going to happen. But that's the reason J.J. Watt got released and the Texans granted his release versus granting what Deshaun Watson wants because... Financially and logically, it just made sense for both sides. Yeah, and, you know, I also think, in a way, it was a good faith move for them while also making the right football move. Like, I think this move made them look good in the sense of, okay, we could have accepted a trade for him, but instead we're allowing him to go out, pick his own destination, you know, whatever it may be. So for a team that needs all the good PR that they can get, maybe this was also a way of them saying, okay, we could – Use it as a good faith gesture. But more importantly, they saved $17 million. Believe it or not, I don't I don't think any team was going to trade for J.J. Watt if they were trying to shop him. I heard that they, they had offers on the table. I don't know what those offers may have been, and they probably wouldn't have been equal value as having the $17 million of cutting him. But I, I, mean, I heard that they had some offers on the table or teams interested. Most teams that would be able to trade for J.J. Watt wouldn't have been contending teams with that $17 million of cap hit. So I, that's why I think the Texans did it. But I, I want to see J.J. Watt go to Buffalo and you guys are hell-bent on seeing him go to the Pittsburgh Steelers. You want him to reunite with his family. I said both. 
You said both? Yeah. Okay. I was so, being a homer with Pittsburgh, but I want to see him in TJ Buffalo. TJ Watt and Derek Watt. You <clears> want to see JJ Watt go there? I think that's a perfect fit. He fits with the Steel City. We'll see what happens and where he goes. And now for the second topic, Orlando Brown demands a trade. He was very upset with the Baltimore Ravens this past season because he's been playing out of position for years. Since Ronnie Stanley got there, Orlando Brown is a natural left tackle, but he got moved to right tackle because Ronnie Stanley became their left tackle. But Orlando Brown has said he wants a trade because he wants to play left tackle. And what team should trade for him? I'll just start. I mean, there are five teams that I have. The Bears, the Jaguars, the Chargers, the Dolphins, and the Indianapolis Colts. When you talk about draft capital, no team has more draft capital than the Dolphins. When you talk about the Colts, they don't have the draft capital, but they have the most cap space to take on Orlando Brown and sign him long term. But I don't know how much assets they're willing to give up. Then the Jaguars, they have draft capital as well, but they already have a pretty solid left tackle in Cam Robinson. So I don't know how much they'd give for Orlando Brown and the Bears. They're in cap hell and they don't really have much to offer. I, I made a video on this. I think the Chargers have the best shot to trade for Orlando Brown because they have something they can offer the Ravens that the Ravens desperately need right now, and that's wide receiver. The Ravens would get Mike Williams, and the Chargers would get Orlando Brown Jr. So it would be the Los Angeles Chargers trading Mike Williams to the Baltimore Ravens for Orlando Brown Jr., and I got a lot of feedback on that talking about how the Chargers would probably have to add in a pick, yeah. and I agree. Whether it's a second-rounder or a third-rounder or a future first, you got to add that in there. But even if the Chargers do, I think it's worth it to add in that pick. And then from Baltimore's side, Mike Williams is getting paid $15 million just for this season because he's on his fifth-year option. I think that's worth it. And I don't think Mike Williams' long-term contract is going to be that number regardless. So I think the Ravens could make it work. You look at Mike Williams, he's 6'5". Six, he catches a lot of 50-50 balls. He's one of the best jump ball receivers in the league right now. He's a 1K receiver when healthy. And what people aren't talking about with this fit is that the Ravens love running the ball. He's 6'5". He's an excellent blocker. That's going to help out their running game as well. So now you have a deep threat in Marquise Brown and a possession receiver in Mike Williams slash a deep threat. I think it's perfect for both sides, and I would like to see that trade happen. So just to be clear, you're you're on the Chargers fence? Yes. You're on the Chargers. Yes. Okay, okay. Just just to make that clear. Yeah, I, I also had the Chargers at the top of my list. I think trying to build up that wall for Justin Herbert, I don't know if there's many better options for a, a realistic package that you could get. Even in free agency in the draft, I don't know if there's many better options to find that left tackle. He would be a good guy to have there for the next you know, five years or so with Justin Herbert uh, under center. So I had the Chargers right up near the top of my list. Another team that you mentioned, the Jaguars, I think make a lot of sense. Um, you, bringing in Trevor Lawrence, you want to protect your assets. I mean, the, Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence are two of the best assets in the NFL coming into next season. So those are two teams that I thought made sense. And another team that you did mention, I thought the Washington football team, if they don't re-sign Brandon Scherf, because if they do re-sign Brandon Scherf to a big contract, then I don't know how much sense it makes to bring in Orlando Brown because I feel like if you're trading for him, you're going to have to extend him. And I don't know how the money would work with that, bring, you know, paying both of those guys. But if they don't re-sign Brandon Scherf, I think they can make this deal. 
They have some decent draft capital. They could bring him in, extend him, shore up that left side of the line for whatever quarterback they end up settling on, whether it's this year or next year, when they find their quarterback in the future. I was kind of like, you know, we all have the same ideas. I was banking on the Chargers because, you know, Justin Herbert, you have a future guy there. That O-line needs some help. Then I was thinking about the Jaguars, you know, the, all that young talent. And Orlando Brown, he's still fairly young. But then I thought about it, and I feel like Miami would be the best option just because of the simple fact that they're in contention mode. I, I think right now they are the closest to making the playoffs and being that next team. And when you get a guy who can fill that O-line spot, it maximizes what well, should, for the most part, maximize your quarterback talent. And I think with that being said, I think with that being said, Orlando Brown coming in is going to help them out already. And on top of that, they have draft capital, so they, they don't really need to give up too much to get Orlando Brown. You know, they can give up a late first rounder or a second rounder or a couple. I think they have the best. But I think with the team like that being that close to the playoffs, Orlando Brown would help their quarterback be better than what he is. Yeah, the reason why I like the Chargers deal so much is that people will say, if you play devil's advocate, you can say, now the Chargers don't have a receiver right next to Keenan Allen. But if you're freeing up $15 million by trading away Mike Williams, you can now feel comfortable in re-signing Hunter Henry. And this free agent class of wide receivers is absolutely stacked. When you talk about Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay, T.Y. Hilton is there. Um, You have Corey Davis, Curtis Samuel. I mean, Juju. I can name so many more. The Chargers could find a receiver in free agency that can do a pretty good job and play that number two receiver role next to Keenan Allen. And in the draft, this receiver class is really stacked as well. Let's say if they don't have to trade the 13th overall pick, if Jalen Waddle falls to the 13th pick, which is highly likely. Remember, this time last year, if you were to ask people about the draft, everybody thought that CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy we're going top 10. Everybody thought that. Henry Ruggs was the first wide receiver taken. He that didn't go crazy. top 10. CeeDee Lamb fell. Jerry Judy was a 15th pick. If you can, like, it's possible that Devontae Smith and Jamar Chase go late in the top 10 and Jalen Waddle is there at 13. If you can get Orlando Brown and with 13 pick Jalen Waddle, I think that's a very successful offseason. And that would really, that would really accelerate this rebuild you can call it for the Chargers. Yeah, I agree 100%. And, you know, you're talking about a guy in Jalen Waddle who if you asked the last year, you know, prior or even the start of this year prior to the injury, he was a consensus top five pick. He was the guy in the draft outside of maybe Trevor Lawrence. But, you know, if he could get back healthy, he could very well be the best receiver in this class. And I don't see you know, it being that outlandish that he falls to 13, like you mentioned with the receivers last year and how good of weapons there are in this class on top of the need for quarterback. I could see four quarterbacks going in the top 10 on top of Sewell, on top of Darisaw, whose stock is rising, on top of Micah Parsons, who's an enigma at this point. Rashawn Slater. Yeah, those three receivers, plus a guy like Kyle Pitts is in that conversation too. Patrick Sertain is in that conversation. So there are a lot of guys in the first, like I could see the top 15 to 20 going so many different directions. So, And even if the Chargers could get Kyle Pitts at 13 and pair him up with Hunter Henry, Kyle Pitts can line up anywhere. I think Kyle Pitts could end up being one of the best players in this draft. Mm -hmm. Like he is, I think he's going to be elite. 
Yeah, he can so, he can line up anywhere. Yeah. So you could put him in a slot. He would be productive there. You could put him on outside. He's a freak of nature. So regardless, at that 13th pick, they're sitting at a very good spot. Now we're going to talk about Deshaun Watson. Everybody, include all of us, want to see Deshaun Watson get traded. Jack and I want to see him get traded to the Jets. Riv, I don't know what team you want to see him get traded to because your team cannot make any moves. You're an Eagles fan. <laughs> um, but the Texans we have... trade Wentz and the Tex- picks in there. The Texans have said that they are not going to trade Deshaun Watson and basically they're hell-bent on making it work with Deshaun Watson. And I believe it. Like, I don't think that Deshaun Watson... is. I, he might not get traded. And I don't think he will when it's all said and done. And I said this, I said this last episode, but I didn't get to elaborate on it much. Um, they own Watson until 2028. And <laughs> own is a very strong word, but they literally do. It's the CBA. If Deshaun Watson decides to sit out the year, his contract is frozen. And they still have him for five more seasons. And they have Deshaun Watson locked up for five seasons, but they can also franchise tag him for three more years after that. So they basically own his rights. Until 2028, he would be fined ninety-five thousand dollars for missing for missing training camp, and during the regular season, if he doesn't show up, he'd be fined a game check. So he wouldn't be getting paid. And even if Deshaun Watson retires, his contract <laughs> would be frozen. And if he would, if he chose to unretire, he'd basically have to go back. Have to go back to being five years on that same deal. Yo, wow. And they there are him. times in NFL history where this has happened, right? Gronk, where the, when the Patriots were about to trade him to the Lions, Gronk said he was going to retire <laughs> if he got traded to the Lions. Barry Sanders, when he retired, it was not because he wanted to stop playing. I read an article from 1999 that Sanders said that he'd return $5.4 million of his signing bonus to the Detroit Lions if they were to release him or trade him. And the Lions said no. So Barry Sanders never came back because of that. Calvin Johnson retired because he expressed he wanted out of Detroit. Oh, for real? Yes. And because they did not grant him a release or a trade, Calvin Johnson retired. So there's a trend we're seeing with the Detroit Lions and their (laughs) dysfunction. Gronk was going to retire if he even went there. And then Carson Palmer, he had a holdout where he told the Bengals, if you don't trade me, I'm going to retire. And they they ended up trading him to the Raiders. And Carson Palmer, the difference between him and this Deshaun Watson situation is that Carson Palmer, he had about $60 million saved up. When he held out, he said, I don't need football. I saved my money. I can retire (laughs) right now and be good for the rest of my life. So I don't care. The problem with Deshaun Watson is that he's still on his rookie deal. And are endorsements and sponsorships going to net him that money he would have got from just staying with the Texans? It... It's really a tricky situation. I'm not sure what he's going to do, but whatever Deshaun Watson decides to do, if he stays with the Texans, we'll see how that goes. But if he decides to hold out or retire for some reason, then we can see a shift in the NFL into becoming a player's league, and he can lead the movement. Because who knows what can happen if Deshaun Watson decides to retire because they did not grant him a trade there might be a strike, a league-wide strike, striking that, striking that that's not fair for the players because, yes, he signed the contract, but the teams have to honor that contract by surrounding him with help and 
letting him be involved in these decisions that they promised that he would be involved in. And because of that, we might see a whole domino effect happen where the where the league shifts to becoming a player league. It happened in the NBA. Hold on, so let me ask you a question. So if he retires, right, his contract is frozen, do they get that cap back or nah? Like it's They get the cap back if that happens, oh, yes. Okay. So it just screws him. Yes. It, it also it, it does screw the Texans though, because if they're stubborn enough, right now, like the way I see it is it's it's like an old Western standoff. It, it's both of them with their guns pointed at each other, waiting for the first one to balk. And it's just a matter of who is going to stand down first. And you mentioned the Texans have all of the contractual power in this discussion. Like, there's no way around it. If they want to, they can hold Deshaun Watson hostage for eight seasons, pretty much the rest of his football prime. He's 25 years old. By the time he got out of that deal, he'd be 33. And he's, you know, obviously you could still be a great NFL quarterback at 33, but his best days would probably be behind him. But the question for the Texans becomes how much of a black eye is it if you do that to Deshaun Watson? Like, if you say to Deshaun Watson, you either show up day one or retire, we're not moving you, what big-time free agents are going to decline offers elsewhere to go to Houston? Especially after everything that's happened over the past year, starting with DeAndre Hopkins and now with the coaching search and the GM search. J.J. Watt. Yeah, and and J.J. Watt, I I hope that maybe this J.J. Watt move, even though it made a lot of sense for them football-wise, I hope that this J.J. Watt move was their first move in saying, we understand the problems and we're going to start to try and move in the right direction, but I seriously question that it will. It, It makes, to me, they have to trade him because... You only hurt yourself if you get to the regular season and Deshaun Watson decides to retire because then you're left without a quarterback and you're left without anything in return for the quarterback you just lost. And you're set back. You still have all the problems that you're dealing with right now. It's just you lose Deshaun Watson and you don't get any value back for him. And you get the reputation of the team that essentially you know, went into a, a staring match with a 25-year-old superstar quarterback, no one's going to want to go and play for you after that. After, you know, how you treated one of the most highly regarded players in football. So for me, the Texans just have to look at it and say, how much do we value the way players are going to look at us moving forward? They already have a pretty bad black eye from this situation, I would say. But they can save face by working with Deshaun Watson to go and find a trade. I think Houston, I think the Houston Rockets are a good example in basketball. Although James Harden had the power, they worked with him. They sent him to a place that he wanted to be. And James Harden came out and spoke glowingly of them. He said, there's no problems between me and Houston. They helped me out. They got me to where I wanted to be. And now, you know, I don't, I would have no second guesses about somebody going to Houston as a big time free agent. But to me, it's about reputation, how much the Texans weigh that. And do I give them the benefit of the doubt on that? I'm not sure, so sure that I do. And I personally don't think Deshaun Watson takes another snap, snap in a Texans jersey. I think he either retires or he gets traded. So let me, you guys didn't answer the question. Hypothetically speaking, if he does get traded, where would you like to see him go? I mean, I would like to see him go with the, go to the Jets. <laughs> but I think the best team for him to go to is the 49ers. Nice. Yes, I think the 49ers are the best team for Did him. Did you have to like a to. trade idea in your mind? It would just have to be a bunch of picks. I mean, it would have to be a haul. I would I don't know exactly what it what, what it would be. But to your point, 
talking about the Texans' reputation. I don't really think they care about their reputation. <laughs> you look at Bob McNair, the former owner who bought the team, he said that you can't let the inmates run the prison. And that's what that's what you Whoa. you can see you can see how bad that sounds and how Yo. racial it sounds as well. And that's what ticked off Deshaun Watson. And I don't think that Deshaun I, you see how it ticked out DeAndre Hopkins. I don't think that Deshaun Watson gets this trade granted because I think the Texans are going to try to prove a point that we're not going to let Deshaun Watson bully us. Like he signed a contract. He should honor the contract. And because of that, we're not going to let him go where he wants. And we're not going to work with him. I think right now the Texans are becoming an extremely stubborn organization, but I don't want to just speak all negative about them. Right. Because they did free up a lot of cap space by releasing JJ Watt. They have $10 million in cap space. If they were to release David Johnson and Brandon Cooks, they would have $28 million in cap space. They get their picks back next season, the first and second rounders. This year they don't, but they still have eight picks in this draft. Um, They're just third rounders and, you know, fourth, five, six, seven. So with that $28 million in cap space and those, those picks they'll get back next season, is it possible that the Texans can build a winner around Deshaun Watson? I think it is, but... They're going to have to make a lot of moves in the offseason to try to sway Deshaun Watson out of out of out of him staying on that track yeah. of demanding a trade. Yeah, and, and I think there there's two things I would take out of that out of everything you just said. One, from what we know of Deshaun Watson, and obviously none of us know him personally. We don't know what kind of guy he is, but from what we you know <laughs> from what we know of him. He seems to be a pretty stand-up dude, and I wonder if the disrespect hasn't gone so far that he's done. It, it doesn't matter what they do. They could bring in Aaron Donald, uh, bring DeAndre Hopkins back, whatever. I don't. I wonder if he's done playing for that organization because of the disrespect that they showed him this offseason. And two, I wonder if the decision-makers, no matter what assets you give them, if they're in a position to make the right decisions, I mean... Speaking as a Jet fan, we could see the Jets had a bunch of assets the past few years, and they haven't really made them work because they weren't great up front in the front office. And I wonder if Cal McNair and Jack Easterby make anything out of the assets that they build up for themselves because they had some pretty decent assets prior to to this past season. You know, they were a playoff team. They beat the Bills last year in the playoffs, and seemingly everything's been downhill since then. So I wonder if, you know the dysfunction in the front office isn't too much to overcome, and two, if the disrespect to Deshaun Watson isn't too much to overcome at this point. Well, that slave uh, comment is, is ridiculous. Inmate. The inmate yeah, comment. Inmate. It's ridiculous. But I guess it can be the same thing because yeah. people argue prison is modern-day slavery, so I guess. but you know, I could see why, but that's still, like, <laughs> regardless, that's crazy. But um, just in case, if he does get traded, I'm, I, I think I would like him in Denver. Now, Denver, I feel like, is a good spot. I think... The Jets is cool, too, but I think Denver with Cortland Sun, Jerry Judy, Noah Font, he's promising. If they can keep Phillip Lindsay and they have Melvin Gordon, I think that's a good team for him. I think they have the pieces around him offensively for him to thrive there. So I would like him there. But, yeah, like you guys said, I think it just sounds like he wants to be involved in the off, in the moves that the front office makes. He wants to be involved in the coaching, the players they get. I, I just don't think they're respecting him like that. So I hope he gets traded to a contender because – 
he's a top five quarterback in this league. I hope he gets traded. I hope he gets out of there. Just, uh, that, that inmate, I don't know. I'm but, stuck on that. But you're starting to see a little bit of a shift in the league. I can't remember personally an offseason like this as long as I've been watching football where you've seen a quarter, not only a quarterback carousel, but even guys who haven't been moving, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, expressing their displeasure with their team. So I, I wonder if this is the first baby steps towards uh-huh. it becoming a player's and league. The players are starting to voice their opinions and concerns with how their teams are being run. The owners don't want that to happen. The front office doesn't want that to happen. And let's just say Deshaun Watson does retire. Everybody in the league, the players, everybody, fans, everybody is going to be pissed off. The media is going to be talking about it for forever. The Texans are going to get so much bad press and it could start a league-wide strike where they're like, no, we want this to yeah, be out. a player's league. We want this to do that. It could start this whole shift in a movement within the NFL. And who knows if Deshaun's going to be the face of that or if he wants to be because we saw Colin Kaepernick, Colin Kaepernick when he became the face of a movement um, that's not like this but that was different, he got blackballed. What happens to Deshaun Watson if he – he, if he starts a movement like this, yeah. we're not sure what. Could yeah, happen. And I think that was leading to my question because, like in the NBA, right? We saw LeBron be one of the first people to start the player empowerment, and LeBron's a big figure, not just in basketball but in the entire world. So, do you think Deshaun Watson is a big enough figure to start the trend of the player movement in the NFL? I think that he he's a big enough figure that he's going to have support from yep. other figures. LeBron James is going to talk about it. 100%. Every 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 NBA superstar is going to talk about yeah. it. Every NFL superstar is going to talk about it. This is going to be a, a big deal if it happens. In my opinion, the only guy who would create bigger waves would be Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. I think that Deshaun Watson, not only is he a 25-year-old superstar, arguably a top three quarterback in the NFL, but... One thing I've said throughout the process is he's an incredibly well-liked guy. You would have a hard time finding any enemies of his around the league. You never hear a bad word said about him. He's humble. He's quiet in the media. He, he seemingly does no wrong. He's done everything well for that organization on the field and behind the scenes. So <laughs> it's just a really, really bad look for the Texans. So many, There's no way that they could spin it. There's no way they can angle it to make it look like it's Deshaun Watson's fault. It's all, all the eyes are on them right now. It's their move. They hold the cards, but, you know, do they really want to hold them? I, I don't think that that's a smart move. And now we're finished talking about Deshaun Watson. We're going to be going to the second part of this show. We're going to preview the offseason of the AFC South and the AFC North. We are going to start with the AFC South, the first team up. They were the leader in their division. It's the Tennessee Titans, this is their off-season preview. So, the Tennessee Titans, this offseason, they're below the cap number by $3 million, and they can make some roster cuts to open up that space. If they cut Malcolm Butler, they would save $10 million. If they would, if they cut Adoree Jackson, who's been injured, they'd save $10 million. If they cut Adam Humphreys, they'd save $4 million. With those cuts... They can have about $11 million. I don't think they cut Malcolm Butler. I think Odorier Jackson is more likely. And with the restructures to Kevin Byers' deal, maybe Tannehill's, 
Derrick Henry's, Taylor Lewan, and Malcolm Butler's deal, they can have about 20 to $25 million in cap space. So let's say they do have 20 to $25 million in cap space. We are going to discuss what they should do with it, who they should sign, but first we'll talk about who they should re-sign. So they have 29 pending free agents, and these are the most notable ones. Jadavian Clowney, Daquan Jones, Corey Davis, Goskowski, Ty Sombrello, Jonu Smith, Desmond King, Khalif Raymond, and Jion Brown. And for me personally, I think Jadavion Clowney is gone. He flopped this past season. He's coming off an injury. He won't get re-signed. I'd like to see Tennessee re-sign Daquan Jones because he was a really good nose tackle for them this past season. Corey Davis, who knows what his market is going to be like. But if it's not that expensive, you'd have to figure the Titans are going to bring him back. I don't think they're going to franchise tag him because they really don't have the cap room to do that. And then you look at Goskowski, he's a kicker. He won't cost much. He'll be back. Ty Sombrello, their starting right tackle, I think he's going to be back. He was phenomenal for them last season. And if they don't bring him back, they're going to have to scramble to find a tackle. They can't really bank on Isaiah Wilson on taking that next step. So because of that, I think Tyson Braylow's back. John o. Smith, you'd have to imagine that he's going to be back. Desmond King, I think he's gone. Khalif Raymond, I think he's gone. And Jion Brown, I don't think his mark in the free agency is going to be that intense. So I think he'll be back as well. I think that the first guy they should target on offense, personally, I would go after Corey Davis before I went after John o. Smith. I think that Corey Davis is a more impactful part of the offense and harder to replace, even as, as deep as the wide receiver class is this year, free agency, and through the draft, I think that Corey Davis is a more valuable asset, but the problem is their money situation. I don't know if their cap is going to line up with his value. You know, I could see him getting like $13 million from a team somewhere, so I don't know if he's going to line up. In that case, maybe then you take a look at John U. Smith, but still, I don't think he is, you know, that value. It's not that he's not valuable, but I think he's replaceable for them. So I don't know with their money situation if it makes sense to bring him back. I would agree. I would bring in Daquan Jones. He he had a nice season for them, and I don't think his market is going to be anything too crazy. So I would bring him back. Um, like you mentioned, at the tackle position, I would bring back Sombrello just because you want to keep that continuity and the options are going to be thin at, at that type of you know monetary value. So... The options, uh, it's going to be slim picking, so I would opt to go with the guy that you had last year rather than going out and getting somebody in free agency at that value. And uh, I, I agree with you on the cuts. I think that one of either Butler or Dory Jackson is going to go. I don't know which one it's going to be, and then Humphreys is going to go as well just because, like I said, the money is so tight. They have so many of these guys to bring back, and depending on – who they do end up cutting, I could see them adding a few more names to this list, but I feel like a lot of these guys are expendable, um, especially at the cost, and you got to start to look forward. Like, you're weighing Corey Davis's contract. Do you want to bring him in for somewhere around $10 million a year? And then you have to extend A.J. Brown coming up. So it's a question of valuing your assets this year and then moving forward with a, a couple of the young guys you got, especially A.J. Brown, and you have Derrick Derrick Henry's big contract. So it's a lot of money on that offense that you got to consider moving forward. So I would love to bring back Corey Davis. That would be the number one guy I would look to bring back. 
But money-wise, I don't know if it's going to work out. No, I agree. I think bringing back Corey Davis with him having his best year and overcoming all the on and off court, all field issues, him with AJ Brown, I think it's good. I think it's a good combination of chemistry. They they have to fill up that need though behind those two guys, but I think bringing him back is good. John o. Smith, I also think bringing him back is good. I agree with you on the cuts. I think Jadavon Clowney is just not a fit there. He isn't going to work out. I think they're going to cut him. I'm under the belief that Butler's probably going to be gone because he's the older talent, and he's probably going to cause some cap casualties down the line. I think Adoree might. I think they, it's possible that they cut both of them, but I think if I had to bet on it, Malcolm Butler would probably be the guy that gets cut. Yeah, I'll probably bet on Malcolm Butler. And I think, yeah, but most of your cuts is correct because a lot of these guys are expendable. And I think with this team, you kind of you kind of know who's going to stay, who's going to go, and you kind of know who's the guys that are impactful. So with the cuts that they have on this team, a lot of them are expendable, and you need to look to new guys in free agency. I mean, I disagree with Malcolm Butler. I think that, um, one, he's not going to get $10 million anywhere on the open market because of that. He's going to restructure his deal with the Titans. He'll be back with the Tennessee Titans. I'm I'm ninety five percent certain that's going to happen. And you think they cut Jackson then? I think Jackson is more expendable because he's not healthy. He's not healthy. And even when he's been on the field, he's been good, but he hasn't been he hasn't lived up to that first round pick. He has all the potential in the world, but I think you can get a better cornerback in free agency. And who knows, maybe they sign Dev Desmond King back and they have Desmond King and Malcolm Butler. They just drafted Christian Fulton out of LSU, who was hurt last year, but I'm really high on. So they have some safety nets to go with. But I disagree with you with your point about John o. Smith. I don't think John o. Smith is as expendable as you make him out to be. This tight end class, and for the past couple of years, has been really weak in the draft. They're not going to find another John o. Smith. Delaney Walker last year, was supposed to be that number one guy. He didn't play much because he got hurt. But John o. Smith t- took that huge step. When you talk about end in the end zone, in the red zone, John o. Smith is an extremely valuable target. And that's the guy that Ryan Tannehill looks to most of the time. Either A.J. Brown or John o. Smith, they're looking at his direction. I think if he's more involved in the offense on a week-to-week basis inside the game plan, he would be far more productive because he he's freakishly athletic for that tight end position. He's a very good blocker as well. And when you talk about the Titans, they thrive on that running game. So losing a guy that can that can catch like Janu and that can block is going to be huge. Corey Davis, while I would love to, the Titans to keep him, I'm just not sure if the price tag is going to match on either side. Because I think Corey Davis, he has the he has the he has the ability to negotiate a big contract based off this past year's performance based on his PFF grade, which is really high this season. He can really get a lot of money this off season and we'll just see what happens. But if the number is there, I'd like to see them bring, bring him back as well. But let's just say that he is not back Right in free agency. I think these are their, their biggest positions of needs edge rusher, right tackle, defensive tackle, inside linebacker, and cornerback to an extent. And you can say wide receiver Death. if Corey Davis and Adam Humphreys is gone. So in terms of edge rushers, I think Matt Hewitt could be one of them, but I think he's extremely overrated, so I wouldn't look in his direction. Melvin Ingram coming to a winning situation could take a pay cut to play with them. Leonard Floyd is another guy 
The Titans run a 3-4 defense, so I'm thinking about outside linebackers. That's Leonard Floyd. Hassan Reddick could be a guy. People are not talking about him. Alden Smith, he had a comeback year with the Dallas Cowboys. He, they're not the Titans. The Titans wouldn't have to pay him much, and he, you know you could bank on what he's going to be, being like five to six years off of football, coming back and having a season he did with the Cowboys. Who knows what he's going to do this upcoming season? Then you look at guys like J.J. Watt, Ngakwe, Justin Houston, Trent Murphy, Okwara, Trey Hendrickson, well, no, JJ, and Carl that's Lawson. The same division. Hmm? I thought we was under belief J.J. Watt wouldn't go to team. No, I'm division. just saying. I'm just naming oh. names. But then defensive tackle, you have Corey Peters, Jonathan Hankins, Steve McClendon, and wide receiver. Even if they do lose Corey Davis, I mean, they could possibly still go after Will Fuller. T.Y. Hilton. Willie Sneed could be a good – I think Willie Sneed is a good second receiver – Third receiver. He's a low end two, but he's a high three. I think Willie Sneed is a good productive receiver. Kendrick Bourne out of the slot. Demir Bird, who had a pretty good year with the Patriots. And Rashard Higgins, who had a pretty good season with the Browns. And if he's featured in the offense more, I think he can be a breakout receiver in his league. So I think if they do lose Corey Davis and they could get back a Willie Sneed and a Kendrick Bourne, I think their receiving core would be fine along with A.J. Brown Kendrick Bourne, Willie Sneed, and John Wu Smith. Then you look at cornerback. If if uh if um Odorier Jackson gets cut, they can possibly go and get Kareem Jackson, who transitioned to safety, but he could play cornerback. And right now, I, I'm pretty sure the uh the current defensive assistant, or no, I'm pretty sure the current defensive assistant for the Titans once coached Kareem Jackson. I'm not sure about that. I could be wrong, but then you have Mackenzie Alexander. Michael Davis, Kirk Patrick. So there are options there at cornerback that could replace Odorier Jackson if they do intend to cut him or if they cut Butler. I mean, there's a lot of options in free agency. Yeah, I like where your head was at wide receiver-wise just because I don't think they're going to end up bringing Corey Davis back as much as I would like them to because I think he's going to command more money than they're going to be willing to give him. And I think along that same line of thinking, you know, maybe not go bargain hunting, but you can't be shopping near the top of the list in wide receivers. So I, you mentioned two guys that I was thinking of. Um, Rashad Higgins is one guy. Um, another guy, Willie Sneed. I don't think you need any of the top guys in this free agent class just because their price tags are going to be so high. But I think there are a couple good guys in the second or third tier that's price tag is going to be driven down because those top guys are going to be getting so much money. Um, so I think maybe... You know, I don't want to devalue them by saying bargain hunting, but I think they could go bargain hunting here for that number two wide receiver. There's a bunch of good options out there. You named a bunch of them. And then outside linebacker, like you mentioned, there's a bunch of good options. J.J. Watt would be one of the top guys I would look to bring in, but I don't think he's going to come back in the division, and the money-wise would be tough unless he's willing to take a big pay cut. Um, so then you go Matt Hudon, uh, Leonard Floyd, even those guys – might ask for a little bit more than they can give. Um, I would consider a guy like maybe Hassan Reddick. So, you know, you, you got to start to look towards those second-tier guys. With Hassan Reddick's going to demand a lot of money. You you think he—I don't know if he's going to be up in that top-tier money. Like He had a double-digit tax season. Mm. Yeah. Trey Hendrickson is going to get a big contract. Hassan Reddick is going to get that, too. And correction, Mike Vrabel was a defensive coordinator for the Houston Texans— when Kareem Jackson was there with J.J. Watt. So Mike Vrabel has a connection with J.J. Watt and Kareem Jackson. 
If they do let Adorier Jackson or Malcolm Butler go, I think Kareem Jackson with the Titans makes a lot of sense because of that connection. I'm pretty sure Kareem Jackson was a pro bowler that year as well. So he was a really good cornerback that year. I think with the Titans being so bad at getting to the quarterback, I think edge rusher has to be one of their main needs. I think that would be my number one need for them. And then number two, obviously, depth at receiver. You named a lot of good good low-tier number two guys that won't be a lot of money. And I think that's what the Titans need to look for, guys who aren't expensive. But at the same time, looking at their edge rush last year and looking at how bad they were, I think they need to kind of like hit home on these edge rushers, get a guy who's really, you know, really good. Like not just a bunch of okay guys, but a guy that's really going to change the game because last year they didn't have that. And it was one of their problems down the stretch. They couldn't get to the quarterback and they had to rely a lot on that offense. And that offense is a great unit, but you get a good solid defense behind that offense. And this team could be really special. I think the guys, I think Matthew Janon would be a good, good. This would be a good spot for him. This is a place where he can change a lot of like, even you change your opinion on him and show people why he's not overrated. I think that would be a guy that they should definitely look for. J.J. Watt, he's, we keep talking about he's going to ask for a lot of money, but maybe, like you said, the Mike Vrabel connection, and maybe he might take a pay cut. This would be a good spot where he could come in and completely change the dynamic of this defense. But, yeah, I think edge rusher, they need to hit the bank on that and then depth at receiver. Yeah, the thing with the Titans is that I don't think, when you look at their secondary group, they, it has talent. It's just that that pass rush was so bad that eventually guys are going to get open. That's just the nature of the game. So I w- I agree with you. You have to 100% hone in on getting that edge rusher. And if they, let's say, maybe they sign a guy like J.J. Watt or Matt Hudon, whoever it is, but in the draft, there's some good edge rushers in the draft. Um, Zaven Collins, a 3-4 outside linebacker. Jalen Phillips out of Miami. J2 Felly, he's not an edge rusher, but he's a defensive tackle that they can get in the second round possibly. Quiddy Pay from Michigan, he's a really high-graded prospect. And let's say they get an edge rusher in free agency like a J.J. Watt, Matt Hewitt, Leonard Floyd, whoever it may be. If they, with that 22nd pick, if they can get Christian Barrymore from Alabama, that would be huge. Because right now, their defensive line is uh, Jeffrey Simmons and Daquan Jones, then outside of that, they need another defensive tackle and they need another guy who can be an edge rusher and compliment Jeffrey Simmons. But also, if they don't re-sign Daquan Jones, they need a defensive tackle. So Christian Barrymore would fit in. A potential lineup could be J.J. Watt, Christian Barrymore, and Jeffrey Simmons. That would be huge with Harold Landry rushing the passer as well. Like I think that would be huge. It, it really just depends on what direction the Titans are going to go in. Are they going to try to go and look for a natural defensive end or a three, four outside linebacker? It just really depends on, you know, what direction they're going to look for. J.J. Watt can play anything, so it really doesn't matter. (laughs) And I also, in the draft, in the first round, I had them going after Christian Barrymore. I think he's a really good fit. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Quinton Williams when he was at Alabama, how he disrupts things at the line. And I think that that could be a huge help for the Titans because, like you said, it's about getting pressure on the quarterback, and he can come in and do that immediately. So I think that that would be the guy for them to target in round one. I think there's no reason he shouldn't fall to their pick. So I think that that's definitely a guy they should target. Ultimately, I think the Titans will sign Willie Sneed. I'm not sure who else they're going to sign. I think Corey Davis goes because of the price tag. I think they re-sign Jonu Smith. 
They get Willie Sneed to compliment. What about AJ a guy Brown. like if um the Texans cut Brandon Cooks? That that could be an option as well. That I don't think he's gonna well. ask for a lot of money too. Yeah, I don't think, and he's possibly gonna get cut as well. And then when you look at uh edge rushers, I think the guy who makes the most sense is probably Alden Smith because he's not gonna be worth. He's not gonna you know command that much money. He's still really good, and he could get you the production. Mm-hmm. And in the draft, I'd probably go Christian Barrymore. But, I mean, they have a lot of options. They have a lot of options. They can't really overpay for anybody. They really have to be smart. And I think John Robinson is going to be smart. He's been a really good GM thus far. So I trust that he'll make the right decisions. And I trust Mike Vrabel to scout talent and pick the right guy to make this Titans defense better because that's the only thing that's been hold- that's holding them back right now. And you can say the, the offense, too. They need to pass more, but mostly the defense <laughs> – Against the Ravens, it was the offense that mostly cost them the game. Yeah, paying Derek Derrick Henry all that money, you need a little bit more production out of him in a game like that. So, I, they dudes, they've done it. Force feed him. They they've done a pretty good job the past few years, especially having a running back on a big contract, which I've said numerous times I don't think is a recipe for success in the NFL. They've done a pretty good job surrounding Derrick Henry. I it's funny to say that because he's a running back, but they've done a pretty good job. Surrounding Derrick Henry with talent for the past few years, when, so I don't see any reason they won't do when it. When was yet. the last time a running back was the best offensive player? Todd Gurley, Adrian on a, Peterson. Well, on the, I'm saying on the Super Bowl team, Todd Gurley. I would Todd, say Todd Gurley. Gurley, but he wasn't yeah. the best player on the team. Aaron well, Donald I'm saying was. offense, just offense. He was yeah. definitely the Todd best Gurley. player on that offense. Todd Gurley, and then before that, AP on the playoff team. Yeah, probably AP. Well, no, you said Super Bowl, so the last player was Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley. Yeah, I don't probably and then just Sean, on playoff team. Super Bowl probably was Sean Alexander mm. of Seattle. Do you think that? Ladanian Tomlinson was better than Philip Rivers on those Chargers teams. Mm, it really depends. I mean, his MVP season, yeah, he was awesome. But Philip Rivers was criminally underrated, and that was such a different time in the game. The passing game has expanded so much since then. So, we're going to go to our next team, the Indianapolis Colts. So this offseason, the Indianapolis Colts, we can all agree that they just need to try to find a quarterback. Philip Rivers retired, so. We don't know who their quarterback is going to be. Anthony Costanzo also retires, so they need a left tackle. The good news is that they have over $69 million in cap space this offseason. So this preview can really go in any direction because they have so much money to give any free agent if they really want them. In terms of roster cuts, they don't have to make any because they have no bad contract on their roster. And they have 22 pending free agents. And these are the most notable ones, in my opinion. Jacoby Brissett, T.Y. Hilton, Justin Houston, Danico Autry, Malik Hooker, Xavier Rhodes, Mo Ali Cox, Trey Burton, Zach Pascal, Marlon Mack, Anthony Walker Jr., T.J. Carey, and Chaz Green. I think T.Y. Hilton goes. I think Jacoby Brissett stays. You think Rhodes go? I think Rhodes goes. I think Justin Houston say, stays. Danico Autry goes. Malik Hooker goes, Xavier Rhodes goes, Moali Cox and Trey Burton stay, Zach Pascoe stays, Marlon Mack goes, Anthony Walker Jr. goes, TJ Carey, it really is whatever if he stays or goes, <laughs> Chaz Green, I think he stays because they need left tackle depth. But overall, they have to keep Jacoby Brissett because you just have to have a safety net at quarterback. <laughs> God only and knows. People talk about Sam Darnold and stuff like that. That's fine. He has a ton of potential. Right now, I'm willing to bet Jacoby Brissett 
is better than Sam Darnold. That's just how it is. Last time he started, he had 18 touchdowns and six interceptions. He gets labeled as like a game manager, but Sam Darnold hasn't even proven he can be that yet. And that's just being honest. T.Y. Hilton is getting older. He's lost speed. He's 5'9". Who knows how he's going to be down the line. I don't think they want to pay him top money. You look at Justin Houston, Justin Houston, he had the sixth highest pass rush win rate last season. So even as an older guy, he was still productive. Danico Autry is a defensive end as well that transitioned from to a defensive end from a defensive tackle. I think they're going to keep one of those guys, and that's going to be Justin Houston. Malik Hooker, Julian Blackman showed out this past season. There is no need to bring back Malik Hooker. Xavier Rhodes. He had a bounce back season because he was reunited with his old cornerbacks coach. And uh, I think Jonathan, I forgot his name, but he, Jonathan Gannon, Jonathan Gannon, he was reunited, which led him to having another great season. I think he's going to get a good contract from another team that might not be in the Colts price tag that they're willing to pay an older guy like that. Marley Cox and Trey Burton, excellent tight ends. You have them stay. And Marlon Mack, always injured. Naheem Hines is that receiving back. And, and Jonathan John Taylor, Taylor is that every down back. So there's no need to bring back Marlon Mack. Yeah, I, I think finding a quarterback is their number one need. I think with this team, we you just named all the cuts. They don't have to it doesn't have to be too much. These free agents aren't any big name. T. Y. Hilton isn't what he is anymore. And Marlon Mack can move on just because Naheem Hines has elevated and Jonathan Taylor is probably going to be the running back of the future. So I think that's good. Xavier Rhodes, he revived his career, but He's 31. You, you're you're going to look somewhere else. Malik Hooker, he can go because I forgot the guy's name, that rookie safety. He's, Julian Black. Yeah, he's good, so you have him there, so that's fine. So quarterback, I think they've, you know, they've been in talks with the Eagles about getting a quarterback. They had a table on the offers between them and the Bears. I think that would be their best bet at this moment, reuniting Carson Wentz with his old coach. So I think that's gonna where they're going to go in terms of quarterback. I think they need to fill holes at the wide receiver spot. I think Michael uh, Pick, Pickston is his name. Pittman. Pittman. He's good, but I don't think he hasn't solidified himself as a number one yet. Bringing back Zach Pascal is going to be good, but you still need somebody that's going to be that number one that's going to take that attention off the defense. So I think getting a number one this offseason with Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin, and Kenny Galladay, if he doesn't get tagged, I think that's where you should go. Yeah, I agree with you first and foremost on Jacoby Brissett. I think just having that safety blanket because you never know. The Eagles and Jets could stand pat with Wentz and Darnold move forward with them, and then you're left picking from the scrap heap and free agency, you know, and you could be left empty-handed. So I think bringing back Jacoby Brissett is important. Even if you do go out and trade for one of those guys, more so Darnold, you're bringing a guy into a new system. It's always good to have a a veteran quarterback around who's been with the system, help him adjust, and and build up that quarterback room. So I like bringing back Brissett. I don't think the price tag will be too much. Um and that defense, I think the defense is important to keep as much intact as possible while staying within reasonable price tag. I think Justin Houston is a no-brainer to bring back. Uh, he, he was one of the best guys in that defense last year. Um, I would like to see them keep Danico Autry, but I don't think it happens because I think he's going to get a, a bigger contract than they'd like to give him somewhere else and just money that they have to give elsewhere. I, I don't think he ends up sticking around. Xavier Rhodes is a guy that personally I would keep around just because, like you mentioned, the relationship with the cornerback coach. He's not there no more. He had a little bit of of a revival of a year, so I I would like to see him stick around just because he played so well last year, and I think that he was a strong piece in that defense. So I want to keep that defense together as much as possible within the price range. And then obviously 
finding the quarterback, whether it be Sam Darnold or Carson Wentz. I do think they're going to go out and trade for a quarterback rather than, you know, what options are there available in free agency. Maybe I don't think a guy like Dak Prescott fits what they want to do. So do they then go through the draft? Maybe they trade up for a guy like Trey Lance, but Trey Lance's stock is skyrocketing, so they would have to trade up pretty high in order to get in that discussion. Any of those quarterbacks are going to be going top 10, so in order to get up into that range, you're going to have to give up some pretty serious capital. So I think that those two guys on the screen right there are are the most realistic options at quarterback after the Stafford trade. I thought that Stafford was going to be their guy. Yeah, me too, and Jonathan Gannon is the – Philadelphia Eagles defensive coordinator now. He went with Nick Sirianni there. That's why I don't think Xavier Rhodes is going to be back because I think that familiarity is not there now since Jonathan Gannon left. And these are the Colts' positions of needs as it stands. Quarterback, edge rusher, left tackle, wide receiver, cornerback. I think they are going to trade for Sam Donald. That's just my prediction. So my offseason is based on them trading for Sam Donald. When you look at wide receiver, Will Fuller is there. I think he gets re-signed by the Texans, though. Corey Davis, Kenny Galladay, Allen Robinson, Curtis Samuel, and Sammy Watkins. Kenny Galladay, I would like him there, but this is a reason I wouldn't. Michael Pittman's ceiling, what does it look like? It, it looks like Kenny Galladay's. <laughs> so to have two receivers that have the same style is not beneficial to the offense, and I think Pittman can develop into that. So because of that, I don't, I wouldn't bank on getting Kenny Galladay. Corey Davis is another guy, but I think he was a he's a one year wonder as it stands right now. You don't really want to pay a guy and ha- pay him long term if you're not sure what you're going to get out of him year in and year out. Maybe AJ Green if they want to bank on him. Allen Robinson, they could splurge and get him. That would be the perfect fit. Curtis Samuel is more of a gadget receiver. He's good, don't get me wrong, but he's a gadget receiver. He's not a number one, and I think Paris Campbell can be that. And Juju Smith-Schuster, you know, I think if they get Donald, reuniting Juju with Sam Donald would, would be good. And Juju's not a bad player. He was just in that Randy Fitchner offense, which is really bad. With Frank Reich, I think he can revive his career. Then we talk about left tackle, Russell Okung, Trent Williams, they're going to be expensive. I think they go out and sign Alejandro Villanueva. Then you look at edge rusher J.J. Watt, Ngakwe, Okwara, McKinley, Hudon, Ingram, and Dupree. Bud Dupree's coming off an injury. Ingram is older. Hudon, I don't think he's that good. McKinley's a first-round bust to this point. Okwara gets re-signed by Detroit. That's just my impression of it. I think they're going to get Yannick Ngakwe because they have the cap to go out and take a risk on a guy who hasn't been his Jacksonville self, but is still a really good defender. And the Colts run a 4-3 scheme, which is perfect for Yannick. And then at cornerback, you got guys like Patrick Peterson, Quentin Dunbar, Josh Norman, Jason Verrett, Desmond King, and a bunch of names. They can splurge on Patrick Peterson as well. Their current cornerback's coach is James Rowe. James Rowe was with Washington in 2019 when Quentin Dunbar was the second highest rated cornerback, according to PFF. Because of that, I think there's going to be a reunion between Dunbar and Rowe, and Dunbar is going to get signed by the Indianapolis Colts. And when you talk about the draft, they don't go after Trey Lance. Um, You have Samuel Cosme at the 21st pick that they could probably get. Elijah Vera Tucker, if he slides there. Jalen Phillips, Gregory Roche, I think that's his name. Um, Quiddy Pay. 
J.C. Horn, Patrick Sertain, Kadarius Toney, who's a slot receiver, and Micah Parsons, if he just so happens to slide there, I think they're going to draft J.C. Horn out of South Carolina. He's six foot one. He has size at the cornerback position. And after after the Colts filling their need of left tackle, edge rusher, and quarterback in the offseason period, I think that they go out and draft a cornerback in the first round of the draft. So it, it, say they make a trade for Wentz or Darnold, you don't think they have to give up the first-round pick in, in those packages? I think for Darnold, no. You give a late for you give a you give a, a next you first? give next year's first round pick for Darnold, or you give the second round pick for Darnold. Um, Adam Schefter, I said a late first. A late first to me sounds like a second rounder or next year's first. I don't think they get it this season because there's really not any team that is going to scramble to get Gar- Darnold with you, a late anybody look, with a late pick has yeah, their quarterback. You look at the 49ers, they're not going to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo for Sam Darnold. This is not going to happen. So, and when you look at the, when you look at Carson Wentz, I think that the Chicago Bears, if he if Wentz does end up getting traded, the Chicago Bears are going to give up the most assets because they're more desperate for a quarterback. Chris Ballard has said that he's going to be patient with his quarterback process, and because of that, they are not going to be so hell bent on getting Wentz. He has a gigantic contract. In in reality, the Eagles should give a pick to the Colts for taking on Wentz's contract and getting that off their books. So that's why I don't think that uh, the Colts trade for Wentz because I think that ship has sailed um, ever since the Eagles have been trying to play hardball with them and just keep they keep asking for more. Yeah. I think everybody looked at the Jared Goff deal and kind of thought that they can do the same. It kind of like it kind of was like the Drew Holiday deal in the NBA. You know, they gave three picks for Drew Holiday, so it kind of made everybody think, well, if he can do that, why we can't do this? So I think that's what it's looking like in the NFL. But yeah, I, I agree. I think a lot of teams aren't jumping out the gate for Sam Darnold, so I don't. I don't think they're gonna. I think the Colts have, have a good way to be patient. I mean, Trey Lance has been jumping up the boards, but I thought he was a um, project. If anything, he's not gonna. Be, I don't. I don't think he's gonna be there at twenty one. Then again, I didn't think Jordan Love was gonna be there last year at twenty six. I think when the Packers picked. So him. if he gets there at twenty one or at the Colts pick, you think they take him? Yeah, but I also think last year was a weird year. There weren't a lot of teams that were trying to get a quarterback. This year, it's so much different. The Falcons are going to be in the mix. The Jets, the uh, the Jaguars, you have the Panthers are going to be in the mix. You think the, the Patriots are going to be in the mix? Yeah. If Trey Lance is there, yeah. Um, you have the Broncos that are going to be in the mix. There's so many Philly's teams. Philly's been talking about it, too. Philly's been talking about it. So there's so many teams that can go quarterback because of that. Trey Lance does not last to 21 Mac Jones may, and but I don't think they, there, there's really going to be Mac teams Jones. potentially looking to trade up to get quarterbacks. So it's not even just the teams that you just mentioned, but other teams that could potentially jump up and try and get a quarterback. I don't see any chance unless there's a uh, uh, um, who was the uh, the the gas mask on draft night that, that tanked his stock like twenty picks. I'm blanking on the name right now. Um, offensive year? lineman, Laramie Tunsil. Unless there's a yeah. unless there's a Laramie Tunsil incident on draft night, I don't see any chance that any of those four quarterbacks, not to, yeah, not to mention, drop team, down to their pick. Teams are just moving up in the draft regardless, yeah. so that can change the dynamic yeah. either. So, and, and outside of that, I don't think Mac Jones or Kyle Trask is worth a first round pick. I don't even know if they're worth a second round pick. Personally, I would skip both of those guys and wait for <laughs> Kellen Mond later on. You know, I think he's a better option than either of those guys for the value. So. 
if they could trade up and get a guy like Trey Lance, but the problem is I think they have a window like right now yeah. where they have a great team that they could really compete. That's why I thought missing out on Stafford hurt them a lot. Because with Stafford, I thought they could have made some noise in the AFC. But now that he's gone, you got to pivot. And those two guys on the screen, I feel like, are the best available options that fit what they're trying to do. Um, in free agency, I agree. I think you got to look wide receiver. I don't know if they're going to go out and be in on any of those top wide receivers, like any of the top three guys, Robinson, Godwin, Galladay, although I think they should be. Maybe a guy like Curtis Samuel you mentioned might make sense, or somebody like Marvin Jones Jr. You said maybe not Galladay because his ceiling looks similar to Pittman. Well, how about Marvin Jones Jr., who just played with Galladay in Detroit, might be a good fit. Um, and then on the defensive end, maybe a guy like Romeo Aquara, Carl Lawson are two guys that I was looking at, free them up alongside DeForest Buckner and see what they could do. Two good young talents, so I would like to see them in there. And then the pick, I personally don't think that they're, that they're going to be picking in the first round because I think they're going to trade that pick for Carson Wentz or Sam Darnold. Yeah, I mean, that those are all possibilities that can happen. We'll see what the Colts do because they do need a left tackle that and a really quarterback. Clean. And an edge rusher. I know. That's really clean. Because like. the GOAT. He's the GOAT. Tom Brady is the GOAT. <laughs> I'm glad they switched to those jerseys. A little bit off topic, but if they had won the Super Bowl in those junk uniforms they had last year, it would have been really disappointing. Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. The best in the game. They should have went with the creamsicles, though. So, now we're going to talk about the next team in this offseason preview. That is the Houston Texans. By cutting J.J. Watt, they now have $10 million in cap space. They can cut Brandon Cooks. He would free up $12 million. And David Johnson, he would free up $6 million. They can have $28 million in cap space this offseason. Their coaching staff is pretty good. David Culley is their head coach. But you got Lovey Smith as their D.C., Tim Kelly as their O.C., and Pep Hamilton is their quarterback's coach. This is a pretty good staff. Now, they have 24 pending free agents, but because the Texans were so bad last year, there are only a few that are worth keeping, in my opinion. Garyon Conley, Will Fuller, and Vernon Hargraves, and the list ends there. Mm. And for me, I think they will re-sign Will Fuller. Will Fuller totally tanked his value in free agency when he got suspended. Any team that signs him is not going to have him for the, for a while because of his suspension. Because of that... I don't think he's going to get a big payday from any team. I think he remains with the Texans. I think Vernon Hargraves goes because he, he wasn't good last season. I think Garyon Conley stays. And Lovey Smith, he runs a Tampa 2 scheme. He had a top 10 defense four times in Chicago. And just recently when he was with Tampa Bay, he had a twenty the 24th ranked defense, but the offense was a 29th ranked offense. So there was a reason why there was such a disparity. And in my opinion, like they're going to run a 4-3 front. Because of that, I think some notable phrasing guys can be Trent Murphy, Solomon Thomas, Derek Wolf, Takaris McKinley, Carl Lawson, and Trey Hendrickson. Because of all the negative press that they've gotten, I don't think they're going to land a top guy just because of all the negative press. But then you look at cornerback, I think Mike Hilton, Mackenzie Alexander, William Jackson, Kevin King, and Desmond King all make sense. And they can go either way. I mean, I'd like them to bring in Trey Hendrickson personally or a Carl Lawson. Um, and at defensive tackle, they could bring in Adam Butler, Sheldon Rankins, or Dalvin Tomlinson. 
there are a lot of different directions, but I think the Texans are another team that have to be all in on just trying to improve the defense or the offensive line. Yeah, for me, I just think the most important thing this offseason, I mean, looking at the free agents, I agree with you. Pretty much all of them can go. I would look at bringing back Gary Ann Connolly would be the only name that I would personally bring back. And if you were if you were insistent on not trading Deshaun Watson, I think it's important that you work on bringing Will Fuller back because you know the connection they had this past year. They seem to play to play really well together. So that would just be another at well an asset that you could keep in the building to enticed to Sean Watson to stick around. They haven't done a very good job of that so far, but that's one move they could make positively to try and keep him around. I just think the most important move of this offseason is what they're going to do with Deshaun Watson. If you go in one direction and you're going to decide to, to call his bluff and try and get him to show up, then you better do everything in your power to make him happy, whatever it may be. However, you have to get back on the same footing. That's what you got to do. But, I think it might be wiser to just cut your losses while you still ha- while you still have a lot of value in your hand and trade him off. I think the Jets, I'm, I'm not trying to sound like a homer here, but the deal <laughs> that they can offer with the number two pick, you get to select your future quarterback. You're probably going to get at least two, if not three or more first-round picks on top of that moving forward. That Who knows? I love the Jets. They have great assets this offseason, but... They haven't built anything yet. So that first-round pick next year, if you get the Jets' first-round pick, could still be a very high first-round pick. You look at the Texans with Deshaun Watson this year. That could be the Jets next year, and you could be looking at two top-five picks back-to-back years, and immediately your rebuild is launched. And on top of that, they brought in Pep Hamilton. We saw what Pep Hamilton did with Justin Herbert in Los Angeles. He was one of the biggest reasons for the uh, surge uh, of Justin Herbert you know, from what we saw from him this past year. So bringing in your rookie quarterback, whether it be Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, maybe even Trey Lancet too, but you get to pick your guy and you have him with a great quarterbacks coach and Pep Hamilton who did great things with Justin Herbert. So I think it might be wise to, while you have the value of Deshaun Watson before it gets ugly over the summer, cut your losses, get great value out of him, get your quarterback of the future and have him work with Pep Hamilton It'll help you in the cap situation in the long run because you don't have to pay that big contract to Deshaun Watson, which is well worth it. But if he's not going to be happy there, it, it makes sense. And then you you did good things with the cap already this offseason. So moving forward now with a rookie quarterback, you got that five-year clock on that rookie deal. You can start to rebuild, and maybe by the end of that rookie contract, they can be back. And that's me giving them the benefit of the doubt, which they probably don't deserve. No, I, I agree. I think... Trading Deshaun Watson has to be the plan because, in a sense, if you don't trade him, he's going to be unhappy. And you're, it's trade Deshaun Watson. I think the Jets and the Dolphins offer up in Denver in that order. Now, I would say probably Miami Jets, Broncos offer up the best deals. I think if you can get Miami's two first round picks, that would be great. I think the Jets, like Jack just said, you can get their two first round picks. That'd be great too. I think this offseason really needs to be focused on just a plan. I think they have to develop what they want to be in the future, how they're going to move in the future, what type of organization they want to be, because the way they're handling this Deshaun Watson situation isn't going to help them in free agency for years to come. I think they're going to be a bad team going forward, and I think if they handle this Deshaun Watson situation wrong, free agents are going to want to, aren't going to want to come there, which in turn is going to make them a bad team. So I think getting free agents is cool. Like Trent Murphy was a good one. 
filling up the holes, bringing back Will Fuller. I, like I, like we talked about before, Brandon Cooks is probably going to be gone, so it's probably just going to be Will Fuller out there with a, maybe a couple rookies in the third or fourth round. But I think just developing a plan and a and developing a solid game plan for the future is going to be the key for them, and it starts with trading Deshaun Watson. See, I disagree with both of you guys. My offseason is based on surrounding Deshaun Watson. With $28 million in cap space, I think they can do exactly that. And based on this offseason is going to really determine if Deshaun Watson wants to stay or wants to go. There is, right now, like, Deshaun Watson, everybody's talking about him getting traded, but I don't think the Texans are going to trade him. I really don't believe that. They're either going to not trade him and cut their losses or they're going to let him decide if he wants to come back. And because he hasn't made that much money yet, I don't think he's going to pass up on generational wealth by sitting out a year. So when we talk about the offensive side of the football, getting an offensive line, Joe Thune, Nick Cesario came from the Patriots. Joe Thune is a guy that you can target. You look at Marvin Jones. The Texans' current wide receiver coach is Robert Prince. He worked alongside Marvin Jones in Detroit. So that's already a connection right there. And then you look at tight ends. You can go Robert Tunyon, Richard Rodgers, Trey Burton, Gerald Everett, or Jacob Hollister. I think they can go with a guy like Jake, um, Gerald Everett and draft targets. Even though they don't have a first or second round pick, you can get Quinn Manor, Manners in the third round. They have a high third round pick. Sean Wade could fall to the third or fourth. Elijah Moore and... Those are the guys that they can target with those later round picks, in my opinion, who are the best available guys. Like, with my dream offseason of the Texans, this is how their offense looks. They have Deshaun Watson, Duke Johnson is there, Will Fuller is there, Randall Cobb, Marvin Jones Jr. They signed Gerald Everett. They still have Laramie Tunsil. They have Nick Martin, who's a whatever center. Titus Howard, who's still a developing tackle. Max Sharping, who he's not that good, but still but they signed Joe Thune. So you have two guys in Joe Thune and Larry Mitunso who are pro bowl level offensive linemen. And then on the defensive line, you signed Whitney, Mer- I mean, Whitney Mer- Merciless is there, but since they're transitioning to a 4-3, he slides to defensive end, and I think that fits him better because he's lost his athleticism to play outside linebacker. Then you get a guy like Adam Butler from the Patriots. There's a connection there. Gerald McCoy, he played under Lovey Smith in Tampa Bay, and McCoy is looking to return after being injured for a year when he signed with Dallas. Gerald McCoy can be a guy who can revive his career in Houston. Then you can also get a guy like Derek Wolf mm. to be that other defensive end or William Golston. He was William Golston last year or two years ago for Tampa Bay was pretty good. He played under Lovey Smith as well. Because Tampa Bay is so stacked, William Golston didn't play much last on um, this past season. But he can be a guy that goes to the Texans. And then at linebacker, Bernardrick McKinney's good. Zach Cunningham is good. Devondre Campbell can fill that other outside linebacker hole, and he's a good cover guy. And then in the secondary, you can have Bradley Roby, Garyon Conley, Lonnie Johnson Jr., who I think is a pretty good safety, Eric Reed, who's a Pro Bowl safety, and they need a slot. And I think that slot they can bring is in bring in is Mike Hilton from the Pittsburgh Steelers because I don't think the Steelers signed back Mike Hilton. So all in all, I think with this offseason, getting Joe Thune, getting Marvin Jones, getting Gerald Everett, getting Mike Hilton, getting Derek Wolf, like I think this is a pretty good building block, 
next year they get their picks back and they can have even more cap space to make more moves. So this is a realistic offseason based on the cap that they freed up from cutting J.J. Watt and also would cut Brandon Cooks and would cut um, David Johnson. Yeah, and, and listen, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but if they are able to convince Deshaun Watson to say that's uh, that's an offseason, that they did a great job clearing up cap room in a situation that, well, they haven't done it yet, but they can do a great job clearing up even more cap room moving forward this offseason to be maybe not a playoff team next year because the division is tough, but they could be on that borderline definitely much improved With Deshaun Watson, year. they can Anything's be. possible. They Deshaun Watson, they can Would be. you think that's good enough for him to maybe stay? If they get a lineman like Joe Thune and they have Marvin Jones there, because I think I his think, I think his problems is with more of the front office than I think the problems are with the front office. But if the Texans try and have a very good offseason with some good signings, and Deshaun Watson is getting fined by not showing up, right, and he's losing out on his money, he's eventually going to have to make the decision of whether I'm going to sit out, whether I'm going to retire, or I'm going to play. Yeah, because at that point. The Texans are like, you either retire or you play. We're not going to give you any options. These are your two choices. And that's the ultimatum that Deshaun Watson is going to pick. And if I was in that situation, oh. I'd play. Well, And yeah. I think Deshaun Watson, who hasn't made generational money yet, he has a decision to, make, decision to make whether he wants to be a part of a revolutionary movement or he wants to get paid. And a lot of guys just want to get paid. So because of that that he could be back with the Texans and we'll just see what happens. But this is all on the Texans. I think, you know, you mentioned a good point about trading Deshaun Watson and getting all those picks back. The thing about it is that even Pep Hamilton, as good as his track record has been, there is no telling that he can, he can develop another quarterback or that that quarterback, Zach Wilson, or whoever they draft is going to be a great QB. That's true. You got a guy in Deshaun Watson who's a top three QB already. And even if those quarterbacks are good, you don't win Super Bowls in the NFL by just having a good quarterback. You win by having a superstar guy, which is why Tampa Bay won this past season with Tom Brady, because he's a superstar guy. You win with great QBs. There are very few teams who have won without having a great QB. Yeah, no, I just, my only question and the reason I went the trade route for them is just because I don't know if, Personally, like on a personal level, I don't know if there's anything they could do on the field to heal the wounds that happen for what we've seen off the field this season with not only them not giving him input, because I don't think that was the biggest problem. I think it was them telling him he would have input and then the making, the, making the hirings without even consulting him. So I just wonder if that disrespect hasn't gone too far for the for the wounds. Yeah, I just, yeah, I think just with the front office being extremely stubborn and feeling like they have too much power, it's... It's just looking like a bad album right now. But everything you said, I, like, you should be the GM for the uh, Texans. That was, that, was good, that was good moves there. Now, everything you said, if he does stay, it sounds like they could definitely be a competitive. I mean, they were competitive last year. They lost a lot of close games. So they were a good team last year. And I think with all those pieces you just named, they can be even better than they were last year. But like I said, I'm just judging off the base. I think Deshaun Watson is going to go, and I think he should go. But those are those are good moves. I mean, if they do trade Deshaun Watson and that quarterback and Zach Wilson or Fields ends up becoming a great QB, then they'll be in perfect wow. position to contend as well. So you can go either way. But I'm just under the assumption that like, if I was the Texans, 
I'd much rather do my best this offseason to show Deshaun Watson, look, we got these guys. They're going to help you win. And even if Deshaun Watson says, I don't care and wants to get traded, now all you're going to do is surround your rookie QB with a lot of great pieces as well. I mean, Marvin Jones, that connection with uh, the Robert Prince is a very real one. Joe Thune coming from the Patriots. Nick Cesario coming from the Patriots. It's a really real connection. So there's a lot of connections there. And if the Texans are going to sign one big free agent, it has to be an offensive lineman. It has to be Joe Thune. It has to be to protect Deshaun Watson. And that's all I think Deshaun Watson really wants, to be surrounded with a team that he feels like he can win with. Yeah, listen, if you keep a guy like that, you keep a guy like that. There's no question about it at whatever cost necessary. So if they can, they should. But I question that they can at this point. Now we're going to go on to our next offseason oh, preview. Start, I got to get out of here. This is the Jacksonville Jaguars offseason preview. Riv is now leaving because he has something to deal with on the outside. So we're going to talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars offseason. I think the Jaguars have one of the most best and promising coaching staffs in the NFL. You got Urban Meyer. Charlie Strong is there. Charlie Strong, a lot of people may not know him because he's coming from the college ranks, but he was the head coach for Louisville when Louisville was had a stacked recruiting class, and he was a major part of that. Then you got Daryl Bevel, who I think is a very good OC, who didn't get to show how good he can be with Detroit. Brian Schottenheimer is there. He's their pass game coordinator. Um, and Joe Cullen, he's their DC. I'm not too familiar with him, but he runs a 3-4 set which means this offseason is about getting guys who are athletic and can rush the passer, and they already have two in Josh Allen and Calavion Chase on. So they have $75 million in cap space, and because of that, they can go in any direction this offseason. Um, I think the only roster cuts that can happen are probably Tyler Eifert because Tyler Eifert is, wasn't that great last season. He wasn't even good last season, and that's the only bad contract on their team. But in terms of pending free agents, I think they have a few that are notable. DJ Hayden, Keelan Cole, Chris Conley, Cam Robinson, D.D. Westbrook, Trey Herndon, Dustin Colquitt, and Josh Jones, who was their starting safety. Outside of that, I mean, with, with these guys, I would keep Keelan Cole probably. Cam Robinson is a definite. I'd keep him. And Dustin Colquitt, I'd keep him. But outside of that, and Trey Herndon, I'd keep him as well. But outside of that, everybody else can go, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree. A lot of this free agent class is expendable. I would also keep Cam Robinson at the left tackle position. I feel like, like I was saying before, I forget exactly which team it was, but keeping that consistency on the line rather than trying to go out and fish in free agency, I think it just makes more sense. Um, unless you could go out and get a guy like Orlando Brown, I think would be an interesting move if you could do something like that. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, I would keep him around. Um and then beyond that, maybe Keelan Cole I would keep around. But honestly, I don't think maybe Cam Robinson would be the guy I would pinpoint. But I don't think any of these guys are must-keeps for them in free agency. I think this is a good year for them to get a fresh start, bringing in Urban Meyer, bringing in Trevor Lawrence, and, and cleansing the system. Yeah, I agree. And they, there's a lot of free agents that they can target. Their positions of needs, in my opinion, are tight end, quarterback, defensive tackle, safety, and wide receiver. They're going to get Trevor Lawrence, so quarterback is not an issue no more. 
wide receivers Kenny Galladay, Corey Davis, Marvin Jones Jr., and Juju are all viable targets. I think they go Kenny Galladay because I think it's a perfect fit. They can pay Kenny Galladay a lot of money. And when you look at their receiving core, DJ Tark is more of a deep threat who can stretch the field. Kenny Galladay is going to be more of that possession receiver, that red zone threat. And LaVisca Chenault, he kind of has a similar play style, but I think you can play him on the outside sometimes in a slot. That's why I'd bring back Helen Cole. Um, then you look at tight end. Jared Cook Jr. is out there. Hunter Henry, Jacob Hollister, Tyler Croft, Robert Tunyon, John o. Smith. They can go in whatever direction they want to go there. Defensive tackle, that's a position I think they need a pinpoint because Taven Bryan has not lived up to his first-round hype. And Shelby Harris is there. Dom Sue, Daquan Jones, Sheldon Rankins, Dalvin Tomlinson. Like, there is a bunch of guys that they can target at safety. Anthony Harris, Deron Harmon, Daniel Sorensen, Malik Hooker, Marcus May, Marcus Williams, and at cornerback, Brian Poole, Kevin Johnson, William Jackson, Mike Hilton, Xavier Rhodes, Patrick Peterson. I mean, there are so many targets. There are so many guys in free agency that they can get and vastly improve this roster. And in the draft, of course, we know they're going to draft Trevor Lawrence. But with that second round pick, with that with that second pick in the first round, I think they're going to draft Trayvon Mulrig, the safety out of TCU, because when you look at the defensive side of the ball, the, the position that they need the most is safety. Both of their starting safeties are not good. So I think Trayvon Mulrig out of TCU, he's the highest graded safety in, the, in this year's draft class. He's the no-brainer pick with the second pick that they have in the first round. Yeah, and you mentioned that they got a lot of money to spend so they can go out and fill a bunch of those positions that they're losing in free agency. I think that wide receiver is an important position just because you're bringing in a guy like Trevor Lawrence. You need that weapon to have alongside him. So I think a guy like Galladay makes sense. They should be in on those top three guys, and whichever one lands to them, I think you know any of them makes sense. With, with a guy like Trevor Lawrence, you need that number one target. Though I like DJ Chark, but I don't think he's necessarily that number one yet. I think he could be a number two type. Or maybe, this might sound a little crazy, you throw him in a package for Orlando Brown. And you get Orlando Brown to play the left tackle spot, and DJ Chark can be a good piece to go over to Baltimore where they're looking for wide receivers. So I think that might make a little sense. Fill in that offensive line spot, that that left tackle spot. You could sure that up for a couple of years now with Trevor Lawrence being the future. Um, If they don't make a move for Orlando Brown, I think a guy in the draft they could target is a big body from Alabama, uh, Alex Leatherwood. He, he impressed the, at the Senior Bowl. He played well in the college football playoffs, and, and he is a huge, durable body. We saw the Jets take uh, Makai Becton in this past draft, the biggest offensive lineman in the draft, and, and we saw how that panned out. I'm not saying he can move like Makai Becton, but having that big body on the line I think would be nice for Trevor Lawrence coming in, try and beef up that offensive line get that weapon. I think those are the two most most important things for the ja- for the Jaguars moving forward this season just because we saw it happen with and not saying that Trevor Lawrence is Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen or, or any of those guys, but you see the difference when a team surrounds their young quarterback with talent like the Bills did with Josh Allen, like the Ravens have somewhat done with Lamar Jackson, what the Chiefs did with Patrick Mahomes compared to something like the Jets where we haven't really seen the talent around Sam Darnold. And the examples go on and on. Baker Mayfield struggled, and then when he started to get the talent around him, he played much better. The coaching was right. He played much better. So I think the situation around Trevor Lawrence will dictate 
if he can become that next great thing, I think wide receiver and offensive line are the two positions they need to target the most to to get him to that superstar potential. I think Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, the points you made about um, Allen, Mahomes, and Jackson were good, but Baker Mayfield I don't agree because his rookie year he was really good. Not much talent there. His second year, they had the same roster that they had this past season. The only difference was the head coach and change yeah. from Freddie Kitchens to Kevin Svansky. So, so sometimes I just think that a quarterback either has it or he doesn't. Obviously, we both think that Trevor Lawrence has it. But when he, when we talk about the later rounds, I think Brevin Jordan is a guy who they could target because they need a tight end. Um, Alex Leatherwood is a good guy. I'm more banking on his potential because he really struggled in the senior bowl. So I'm not sure how he's going to transition. I don't think he's a first-year starter. Um, Tyson Campbell and then that defensive tackle, Levi Onunzaruki, a really hard name to pronounce. But all in all, I these are my final offseason results for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think their offense is going to look like this. Trevor Lawrence, James Robinson, and Kenny Galladay, DJ Chark, LaVisca Chenault, Tyler Eifert or Tyler Croft, Cam Robinson, Andrew Norwell, Brandon Linder, A.J. Can, who was a really good guard last season, and Jawan Taylor. And on defense, Josh Allen, Shelby Harris, or Dalvin Tomlinson, Calavion Chason, Miles Jack, Joe Schobert, C.J. Henderson, William Jackson, Tyson Campbell, Trayvon Mulrig, and Keanu Neal. I think they take a chance on Keanu Neal. He's a guy who's been injured. He's a free agent. And at cornerback, like I said, William Jackson coming from Cincinnati, if they don't pay him, he's going to look to get a big payday. He was a really good corner last season. He has, he's, ha, he's been that for the past couple of seasons. If you can have William Jackson and Chris Henderson Jr. on, the, on opposite sides from each other, I think that's a really good cornerback group. And take a chance on Keanu Neal. Take a chance. He can be the strong safety. He can also slide down and be a box linebacker and, and you know play against a run. So there are a lot of different situations there. I think the Jacksonville Jaguars are in perfect position to really change this team around like that because not only do they have Trevor Lawrence, but this roster is not bad. You know, a lot of guys have been injured and their defense is extremely young, but as this defense develops, we're going to see the flashes. Josh Allen, we're already seeing him becoming a really great edge rusher. Calavion Chason has all the tools. James Robinson was one of the best running backs last season. DJ Chark, not a number one, but can be a really good number two. I mean, I think the Jaguars are in perfect position. Yeah, and I feel like they're just one of those teams that fell victim to their record. I said, as a Jet fan, I said it about the Jets this year. I think their talent on the roster was much better than their record showed, and they showed it at the end of the season. And I think the same thing for the Jaguars. They were poorly coached, and... I feel like when you get to a certain point in the season, you start to hear that outside noise. I feel like that affected the Jaguars, and you know Trevor Lawrence was starting to be talked about to them. And then once the Jets lost, or once the Jets won, lost out on the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes, those last two weeks were a wash for them. Adding a guy like that, a guy like Trevor Lawrence, we saw him thrown at the pro day. Fingers crossed that surgery goes well because he can really be special. Some of the throws that he was making and some of the throws that he made in college just adding him from day one is going to immediately make them better. You'd have to imagine. And they're going to be one team for me to watch next year that can make a big jump. I don't know if they could be a playoff team, but they'll be a team to to watch for me that could be one of the most interesting worst-to-first potentials in the league. 
and people don't talk about this enough, but Gardner Minshew, not going to be the starting quarterback. You can trade him for some for a pick. Maybe a third, fourth rounder, but you can trade him for a pick. Let's say the Colts miss out on Darnold and they miss out on Wentz. They can trade for Gardner Minshew. I, I think Gardner Minshew in a, with a good line, with okay receivers, with a great defense, can win 10 games in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I would even argue that he showed more flashes than Sam Darnold has. He has. So throughout far, his he has. career. So, yeah. especially in a quarterback needy offseason where so many teams are looking for that guy, there's no doubt in my mind they could get a pretty solid value pick for Gardner Minshew. Yeah, without a doubt. So, the future in Jacksonville is very bright because they're going to draft Trevor Lawrence, which is what everybody wanted, especially Jets fans. I wanted that to happen for the Jets. Pain. Yep. Now we're going to move on to the Pittsburgh Steelers offseason. I'm switching sides. Okay. So I can plug sides. my computer in. I, I don't think you can switch sides right now just because of uh the camera angle. Good. Yeah. So we're going to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers and their offensive preview. They fired Randy Fitchner. And since they fired Randy Fitchner, that means that Matt Canada is now promoted to be their OC, and everybody's expecting the Pittsburgh Steelers to have a better season on offense now. They're minus 14 in the cap space. They have 14, $14 million under the cap space, so they don't have any right now. There are some roster cuts that can save them some money. Pouncey retired, which is what, which, which is what got them a negative minus 14, but Joe Hayden cutting him would save $13 million dollars I don't think they do that. I think they restructure his contract. But the biggest guy that you got to restructure is Big Ben. And I think they're going to restructure his contract. Big Ben wants to be a stealer. He said that he wants to stay. Because of that, I think they restructure his deal. And I, I, I'm predicting the Steelers will have about 10 to $20 million in cap space. And these are their pending free agents you got Bud Dupree, Avery Williamson, Alejandro Villanueva, Matt Filer, Mike Hilton, Tyson Aluwalu, Juju, um, Cameron Sutton, James Conner, um, and Zach Banner. I think Bud Dupree goes, Avery Williamson goes, Villanueva goes, Filer goes. I think Mike Hilton goes, Tyson Aluwalu stays, Juju goes, and Cameron Sutton stays, and James Conner goes, and Zach Banner stays. Yeah, they, they really shoehorn themselves with the cap here. And depending on what Big Ben's contract ends up looking like with the restructure, maybe they are able to keep one of those big-name guys. But, like, the positions that those biggest, biggest names are at, do they really need to keep a lot of those guys? But, uh, obviously, it would be great, too. You saw how good that defense looked. But Juju Smith-Schuster, you look at their receiving core beyond him, very deep. You look at Bud Dupree, you know, that, that defensive front is stacked, and they could still potentially bring in J.J. Watt on a pay cut. So a lot of those big-name guys I don't really see necessary to keep, especially looking at the cap moving forward, potentially bringing in a young quarterback. They're going to have to think about paying a young quarterback. If they bring in Sam Darnold, maybe, a guy who's been rumored to them, he's going to have to get paid in the next two years, so who knows what his number is going to be. So... I think you're going to have to start looking at some of the smaller name guys. The one that I would bring back is Tyson Alualu. Beyond that, I really don't know that anybody else stays just because of how bad their cap situation is. And 
it was crazy when I was looking at it earlier this season. I figured they would be able to keep at least one of those guys, whether it was Bud Dupree or Juju, but it just doesn't make sense for them where they're at with the personnel that they have. They're actually, although they're in terrible cap space, they're in a good place with their roster that they can afford to lose those guys and still compete. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, you mentioned it. Losing Juju won't be that big of a deal. They have James Washington, Deontay Johnson, and Chase Claypool still. James Conner, you can find a running back, so that's not a big deal. Potentially Benny Snell steps in. mm -hmm. And Bud Dupree, that will be a loss. I don't think they can afford to lose Tyson Alualu at all. You have to keep him there. But when you look at the free agents, outside linebackers, Jordan Jenkins, Marcus Golden, Alden Smith, and Ryan Kerrigan. I, Jordan Jenkins was led the, led the Jets in sacks for a couple years. He's not bad, but I think that the Steelers signed Ryan Kerrigan to their roster to be another edge rusher there. I don't think they go J.J. Watt. When you look at centers, since Pouncey retired, they desperately need a center, and there's a lot of good guys here. Alex Mack, Corey Lindsey, David Andrews, Ted Karras, and Austin Ryder. Because Corey Lindsay is younger, he's going to look to get a big payday. David Andrews, the same thing. I think Alex Mack is a realistic option, and I think he will be with the Steelers next season. Then at inside linebacker, when you don't have cap space, you have to take, you have to take chances on first-round talent. A guy who's a first-round talent who hasn't lived up to his first-round hype has been Gerard Davis, an inside linebacker from Detroit. They need another inside linebacker to complement Devin Bush and I think Gerard Davis can do that. He still has all the talent in the world, and in a good system like Pittsburgh, he can be very productive. At tackle, if they lose Zach Banner, you can get a guy like Kelvin Beacom to fill in who won't cost that much. At running back, they can get Jamal Williams. He's not going to get re-signed from the Packers, and that would be you know a good guy to get. And in the draft, with, the 24th, with their 24th overall pick, I would say draft. I would say trade up and draft Trey Lance, but isn't that the reason that they got Dwayne Haskins? You know, to ultimately kind of be Big Ben's successor. I would love Trey Lance, but what are they going to give to try to move up? It's really up in the yeah. air. Then with the twenty fourth pick, you know, I think you need to try to get a center. But since in my off season they addressed that with Alex Mack, I think you go with running back and get Najee Harris with the 24th overall pick and get yourself a solid running back to get a solid running game, or they can go tackle and get Tevin Jenkins. You can go either way here, but I just think that there's still a lot of good guys that can, that they can get, especially veteran guys who want to win. Now they can get on the cheaper side of things. Yeah. I, and I agree with you at the center position. I think Alex Mack is a reasonable option just because with their money situation, they're going to kind of have to go bargain shopping. I think that takes them out of the Corey Lindsley talks, especially because there's going to be a couple teams looking at him that I think can pay him pretty big money. So I don't think he makes much sense for the Steelers, although it would be a good fit. They do definitely need help at the center with Pouncey retiring. Alex Mack would be the guy for me. Um, in a perfect world, you could bring in J.J. Watt, but it just depends. Does he value playing with his brother that much over personally, I don't think the Steelers are a Super Bowl contender next year. Bringing back Big Ben, I thought he really started to leak oil down the stretch last year, and I don't see him improving. I see him getting worse from last season. So 
with the losses, I don't see them being a Super Bowl contender. Plus, they can't give him the money. So does J.J. Watt value playing with his brother that much. I think the draft is the most important thing for them. Uh, do you think, personally, do you think Dwayne Haskins is the successor for Big Ben? Or do you think, maybe not even if he is the guy, do you think they try and make him the guy? Are they going to go with him moving forward? Based on what I've seen so far, his immaturity and his on-field play, I don't. But he has a lot of talent, and I haven't seen him play with Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, Eric Ebron, and James Washington, and a good offensive line. With all that, can he be successful? Yes, I, I think he can be. With that much. With, it's very hard for somebody not to be with that much <laughs> yeah. talent. Uh, the the only problem is I don't think I don't wouldn't even call it a problem, but I don't think they're going to be bad enough next year to get into a situation unless Big Ben gets hurt. Knock on wood. Hopefully he doesn't. I don't think they're going to be in a position to see what Haskins can look like on the field with those guys. So if there's a preseason, maybe you get a look at him. But in the draft, maybe a guy you could target. I wouldn't advise it. Mac Jones in the first round. I'm not. I don't like him at all. I don't think he's going to be a good NFL quarterback, but. The guy they could get at 24, I, I think he's going to end up at 20. Like, I think he'll be there at 24. People have said he goes to the Patriots. Maybe he does. You could look at a guy like Trask, but I don't think that would be worth your while. Um, they could beef up the offensive line at 24 and go Samuel Cosme. Uh, I think the second round, they could find some good value, whether it's Asante Samuel at corner where they could use some help. Or that linebacker position we were talking about, Dylan Moses out of Alabama. He had a great college football playoff, so a guy that could fill into that spot. But I think the draft will be important to them. Maybe later on in the draft they could look at a guy like Kellen Mond to come in and be the quarterback of the future. But the the quarterback situation is going to be the big question mark moving forward. I think it hurts them personally that Big Ben came back as much as you you want to bring your guy back and he deserves another chance with his squad. It just doesn't make sense for them moving forward. So you're higher on Kellen Mond than Mac Jones? Personally, for the value, yes. Wow. I would rather take Kellen Mond in like the third or fourth round than Mac Jones with the 24th overall pick. I've seen Kellen Mond play Texas A&M a lot. I don't think he's anything special. I don't, I don't think, think Mac he's, Jones is anything I don't, special. I don't think he... Kellen Mond, to me, he won Senior Bowl MVP, but I think like... That's not a big deal to me. A lot of guys who have not panned out in the NFL have won that award. Kellen Mond, after four years at a and I'm really not sure if he's a good or bad quarterback. And I know you've been mentioning Kellen Mond for a while, and I've been letting it slide. But you, said, the, but you said you don't think Mac Jones will be a good NFL quarterback. I don't think. Uh, maybe, maybe he'll be an average quarterback. I don't think he'll be a good quarterback. When you just look at the track record uh, of the quarterbacks to come into the league for the past decade or so, how many of them have not been mobile really whatsoever and been successful in the league, like like really successful. I mean, Jared Goff would be the closest thing, and I'm not high on Jared Goff I at mean, all. I don't think that Mac Jones is going to be, like, fantastic or exceptional, but I think he can be a good backup quarterback or, you know, start in a good system with offensive talent, which is the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't think they go that direction because they have Dwayne Haskins, who's very talented already, but, like, I just don't think Kellen is good. I'm just saying for the value. I'm not saying straight. Obviously, if you're telling me straight up I could have one or the other, I would take Mac Jones. But for the value, I'd rather miss on a third or fourth round pick than miss on a first round pick. And, you know, value-wise. Now, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. But 
this is my off. This is my team for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Their depth chart, and I think this is a Super Bowl team. By the way, Big Ben, Najee Harris, Chase Claypool. I think he's the number one. Deontay Johnson, James Washington, Eric Ebron, Kelvin Beacom, Kevin Dotson, Alex Mack, David DeCastro, and Akora Four, who played really well last season. Their defense: Stephen Tuitt, Tyson Alualu, Cameron Hayward, T.J. Watt. Ryan Kerrigan, Devin Bush, Gerard Davis, Joe Hayden, Steven Nelson, Cameron Sutton, Minka Fitzpatrick, and Terrell Edmonds. I think that's a Super Bowl team. Especially with Randy Fitchner being out and Matt Canada taking the reins as the OC, who he has a really brilliant offensive mind when he was an OC in college. NFL coaches were calling him, talking about play design, trying to you know get his ideas. I think this offense is going to really hit the ground running next season especially with having an offseason now, they're going to hit the ground running coming into next season. Juju's not a loss for me. You know, James Conner, he's replaceable. And getting Alex Mack, I think they're going to be fine. You know, last year we thought they were for real. But the offense just stalemated because Randy Fisher was really bad. I mean, he was really bad. He didn't, it didn't even look like he had a game plan half of the times. But Matt Canada, I don't think that's going to be the case. And with this defense being as elite as it always been, I think they always have a shot. Yeah, I, that lineup is is a very good lineup. My only question marks would be, and and maybe I shouldn't be as quick to question him because I questioned Big Ben last year and he came out and proved me wrong. If he could play again next season like he did at least for the start of this past season, I agree with you. That could be a, a, at least an AFC championship level team. But is Big Ben going to stay on that level? And, and the other thing that I would question is how much better do the Ravens and Browns get? Because mm-hmm. we saw how much better the Browns got this year with the first year Stefanski at the reins and Baker Mayfield took a big jump. They got some moves to make this offseason. And if the Ravens can just beef up that offensive line a little bit more, get a weapon in there, wide receiver, who knows what the ceiling is for them. We saw MVP Lamar Jackson. You got a wide receiver in here, in there. You know, maybe he gets back to that form. So it's a tough division. Big Ben's getting older. So those are the biggest question marks for me. It's funny because. The Steelers, Ravens, and Browns, all to me, if they make the right moves, are Super Bowl contenders. And saying that about one division is pretty crazy, but I think it's true. You know, Steelers with their defense, Ravens, they just need a number one wide receiver. Browns need to get a better defense. If they can make those moves, I think they can all be really legit in the AFC. And now we're going to talk about the Cleveland Browns. So... The Cleveland Browns offseason, they have $21 million in cap space, and they can cut Sheldon Richardson and free up $12 million or restructure his contract, cutting Njoku saves $6 million, and he's been a guy who's been wanting to get traded for a while regardless. And they have 27 pending free agents, but these are the most important and notable ones. Olivier Vernon, Kevin Johnson, Terrence Mitchell, Carl Joseph, B.J. Goodson, Andrew Sandejo, and Larry Ogunjobi, and Rashard Higgins. To me, re-sign Olivier Vernon, um, let Kevin Johnson walk, but re-sign Terrence Mitchell. Um, Carl Joseph, I'm 50-50 on. B.J. Goodson, he was their best linebacker, well, on paper, but I think Malcolm Smith played better than him. It's up in the air if you want to keep or let him go. I say keep. Andrew Sandejo, let him go. Larry Ogunjobi, let him go. Rashard Higgins, 
keep him. But if they let him go, I wouldn't be mad because they're getting Odell back. They have Jarvis Landry and Donovan People Jones. So it'd go either way. But, you know, to me, outside of Olivier Vernon, and uh, that's basically it, nobody else is really a must keep guy for me. Yeah, I, I even Olivier Vernon for me, just depending on the price tag, I know he had that Achilles injury. So even he's a little bit of a question mark for me. Rashad Higgins is a guy who I think is interesting because we've heard Odell's name floated around in rumors. I don't know how true that is, and I don't know if they do end up moving on from Odell, but maybe it's a coincidence. You saw when Odell was not on the field this year, the Browns' offense did get better. There's no denying it. And Odell, you know how he could be on a sideline in the locker room, how he was in New York and how things ended there. So maybe bringing back Rashad Higgins wouldn't be a bad idea, Just be, even if it's as an insurance policy for if Odell things go wrong with him, if the offense isn't working out to start the season, you can move on from Odell and you bring back Rashad Higgins. You know, I, I think that, that would be a smart move. I w- would think about bringing back Terrence Mitchell, but I don't think that there's a lot of guys on this list that are must bring back free agents. Yeah, I agree. And when we're talking about what the Browns need, it's all on the defensive side of the football. I think their offense is stacked. It's good. They don't have to touch it. But on defense, I think they need a cornerback. They need an inside linebacker. They need a safety and a defensive tackle. And at cornerback, they got Patrick Peterson, Jason McCourty, William Jackson, A.J. Boye, Mike Hilton, Cameron Sutton, Desmond King, Troy Hill. So there are options at free safety, Jaquiski Tart. Marcus May, Terrence Brooks, Anthony Harris, Justin Simmons, who I think will get tagged, Marcus Williams, and at strong safety, Keanu Neal, Deron Harmon, John Johnson. At inside linebacker, Avery Williamson is there. Denzel Perriman, Neville Hewitt, who had a pretty good year for the Jets. And at defensive tackle, Daquan Jones, Lawrence Guy, Shelby Harris, Steve McClendon. And with this 26 overall pick that they have in the first round, I mean, they can tr- target Zayvon Collins, J.C. Horn, Tyson Campbell, Christian Barrymore. Um, they can also probably target um, Trayvon Morig if Jacksonville doesn't take him, but I think Jacksonville will take him. For me, this is the team that I have for the Browns and who I think they'll sign. I think on offense is obvious. Baker, Chubb, Odell, Jarvis Landry, People Jones, and Rashard Higgins – um, it can go either way. I think if they let go of Rashard Higgins, obviously people Jones will start. Austin Hooper and their offensive line is going to be one of the best in the league. Jedrick Wills, Joel Bitionio, J.C. Treader, Wyatt Teller, Jack Conklin. And on defense, um, Miles um, Garrett, Sheldon Richardson stays with after they restructure his contract. Steve McClendon comes in. I think he will be a good veteran presence. But if you want to go younger, they can get a guy like Shelby Harris or Daquan Jones. Olivier Vernon stays. Avery Williamson gets signed by the Browns. Malcolm Smith stays. Denzel Ward, Greedy Williams, and they draft Tyson Campbell or J.C. Horn, and they sign Cameron Sutton away from the Pittsburgh Steelers. And they keep Carl Joseph, and they sign Marcus Williams from the Saints. Yeah, I think linebacker is a position I would look at. Avery Williamson is a guy you mentioned. Matt Milano from the Bills. Mm-hmm. Jayon Brown from the Titans. We talked about him before. A couple guys they could look at bringing in. I think there's two guys from a divisional opponent. The Bengals, who I would look at bringing in. Carl Lawson and William Jackson would both be great additions. 
But you really mentioned it, beefing up the defense. I mean, you listed pretty much all the names that are out there. Any of those guys would be great additions because the offense is set. I don't think they need to touch the offense at all. Unless it cuts, I would look at cutting David Njoku. Just save that money because they're good at tight end even without him. Um, the offense is set, and, and they're going to have, if Baker Mayfield can play at the same level he did at the end of this past season, next season they're going to have one of the better offenses in the league. Defense is where they have to focus, and, and anywhere they can upgrade, I think all the money should go towards defense this offseason. And, and the draft, yeah. too. I agree. Another guy I didn't mention was Desmond King. Desmond King can be a guy to play that play that slot position. We can see a scenario where they get two cornerbacks. You know, I'm only picking one because I think that Greedy Williams is going to pan out. But Greedy Williams could very well not pan out, and the only really solidified guy they have is Denzel Ward, and Terrence Mitchell is up and down, but he's pretty good. Um, He's pretty good when he's up. Greedy Williams, who knows what he's going to be. Grant Delpit coming off of a a serious injury. I was very high on Grant Delpit coming into the draft. I was really sad that he got injured because I wanted to see him play. But who knows? Maybe they don't need to get Marcus Williams if they believe in Grant Delpit. But because I think there's a question mark, you know, you can always slide Marcus Williams to the other safety spot and bring in Grant Delpit. There's just so many different scenarios. But I think this offseason off is going to be make or break for the Browns because they need, a, they need to get their defense better. Yeah, and... Missing Greedy Williams and Grant Delpit last season was obviously huge losses. And not only just having them on the field, but seeing what they could become. Mm-hmm. You know, you wanted to see what you had in Grant Delpit. So if if he was a bust, you could address that in this draft or the, this free agency. Unfortunately, they lost that. But getting them back, I think, will be nice additions, automatically having them on the roster next season. Um Cornerback position, they can go in the draft. Maybe J.C. Horn if he falls. I don't think he's going to get to 26, though. Eric Stokes, a cornerback from Georgia, is another guy they can look at. But I would like to see them beef up the cornerback position because you don't know what you have in Greedy yet. Um, And also Grant Delpit. If you could bring in a guy like Marcus May, I would hate to see it Yeah, because I want him to come back to the Jets. I think he's one of the most underrated safeties in football. Even a guy like Brian Poole. Yeah, two Jets that that are super underrated because they were part of a unit that wasn't great this season. But when you watch the Jets this year, even in that win against the Rams, who was it that made the big play to win the game for them? It was Marcus May swatting that pass away at the end. He was the leader on the defense, the leader on the team, and he doesn't get the shine that he deserves because he was stuck in Jamal Adams' shadow. But he's one of the most underrated safeties in the league, and that would be a great addition to any team, really. Yeah, I agree. And his price tag I don't think will be as high as it should be. Which is a good thing for the Jets, but... Yeah, that's why I think Joe Douglas is going to keep Marcus May because he's not going to demand that much money. Now we're going to talk about the Baltimore Ravens. They're going to have the same coaching staff, even though Dave Cully left. John Harbaugh, Don Martindale, Greg Roman, all guys who are basically the, the building blocks for whatever the Ravens are trying to build. They have $19 million in cap space, and they have no bad contracts. They could save cap if they were to cut Brandon Williams, but he's a really good player. I think they just restructure his contract, worst-case scenario. They have 27 pending free agents. These are the most notable ones. Matt Hudon, Yannick Ngakwe, Willie Sneed, Mark Ingram, Derek Wolf, Matt Skura, Pernell McPhee, DJ Fluker, and Gus Edwards. I think Matt Hudon goes. Yannick Ngakwe goes. Willie Sneed. Hmm. He can go or stay. I'm not sure what they're going to do. 
Mark Ingram goes because of J.K. Dobbins. Derek Wolf probably goes. Mascara, he was. They have a better center than Makari now, so I think he might go. Pernell McPhee, I'm not sure if he's going to retire or go, but I think he goes to. DJ Fluker, maybe sign him back for depth. And Gus Edwards, at a reasonable price, you sign him back. But all in all, I don't think there are a lot of must-keep guys. Maybe Yannick Ngakwe, just because they traded something for him. And, I mean, just after one season, if they don't bring him back, it's going to look pretty bad. But if he gets a huge payday, he hasn't really shown anything to really warrant him coming back. Yeah, I was going to say, out of, out of all of those guys, the two names that I would think about are Yudan or Ngakwe, just because I think losing both of them might hurt a little bit. And Ngakwe, mm-hmm. you gave up capital for, so he would make the most sense to bring back. But like you mentioned, there will probably be a team overpaying for him, so are the Ravens willing to get in a bidding war over him? I don't know, but when you look at a bunch of these free agents, you know, I, I don't think many of them make sense. You mentioned Gus Edwards. I think with Mark Ingram essentially having a foot out the door, he posted pretty much a, a goodbye on Instagram the other day saying, I can't wait for my next opportunity. He did great things there, but now J.K. JK Dobbins in there. Keeping Gus Edwards, I think, would be a good spellback for Dobbins, but mm-hmm. Dobbins can be a three-down back. There's no question about it. He showed it at the end of the season. Um, and I don't think there's much else that they have to keep around. Derek Wolf, he's getting older, and I think he's going to get a bigger contract than the Ravens are willing to give out to him. Uh, Skura struggled at the end of the season, and so I think they'll move on from him, and they'll have money to spend that they can improve that position, especially potentially losing Orlando Brown. I think they'll splurge to to improve that offensive line. Yeah, for me, they have three major positions of need, wide receiver, guard, and a slot cornerback. At wide receiver, we know the major big-name receivers, Allen Robinson, T.Y. Hilton, Kenny Galladay, Sammy Watkins, A.J. Green, Corey Davis, Juju, Marvin Jones, Kendrick Bourne, Chris Conley, Rashard Higgins, Tim Patrick, an underrated guy, and Zach Paschal. At guard, you have Austin Blythe, John Feliciano, Brian Winters, Coleccio Semele. At the slot cornerback position, Mike Hilton, Cameron Sutton, Kwan Williams, and Troy Hill, and... We talked about this potential trade earlier on in the show, but Orlando Brown for Mike Williams and some draft capital. In my opinion, the trade on paper makes sense, but from the Ravens' side of things, I wouldn't do this trade just because Mike Williams has an injury history. You're not really sure if he can be a bona fide number one, and Lamar Jackson needs a bona fide number one, plus you're losing a tackle, and how are you going to fill that position? So for me, I think that they keep Orlando Brown, and in the draft, they target some. They target a guard or they target an edge rusher. In my opinion, they're going to go and target a guard, Gregory Rouche, uh, Jalen Phillips, or Quiddy Pay. I think at where they're picking at the 27th pick, Quiddy Pay will be there. This is my offense and defense for the Ravens uh, team. Lamar Jackson, J.K. Dobbins, I think they sign Allen Robinson. They get Marquise Brown, Devin Duvernay's the slot. Mark Andrews, Nick Boyle, Ronnie Stanley, Bradley Bozeman, Patrick McCarry. They sign Coleccio Semele. They get Orlando and Orlando Brown Jr. stays. In my opinion, like Ronnie Stanley's probably going to be injured for the start of the season, so Orlando Brown will continue to play left tackle. And if Ronnie Stanley comes back, I'd move Ronnie Stanley to right tackle. Is he it, willing? You never know. I, I mean, haven't heard anything about his opinion on the situation. Yeah, nobody so. really knows, but. 
I think Ronnie Stanley would probably do what's best for the team, and he'd probably just slide to right tackle. I don't think it's that big of a deal. He did just get a massive contract, so it's really not that big of a deal. On defense, they draft Quiddy Pay, keep Brandon Williams. They still have Calais Campbell at the two inside linebacker spots, Patrick Queen and LJ Fort. I think they keep Matt Hudon um, for the right price. You never know what's going to happen. But then at cornerback, they don't really need to do much. Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, Jimmy Smith, Chuck Clark, and Deshaun Elliott. I mean, this team is just missing a number one wide receiver. And by getting Allen Robinson, whatever you have to pay, you get him in the building because he's really going to open up this entire Ravens offense. That's all they need. Yeah, uh, and I would say if they lose Orlando Brown, and that's not a contract you had to worry about. I would always, I would also look into splurging on the offensive line. A guy like Corey Lindsley from the Packers is a guy I think would be a good fit. You know, I, they had they had trouble with that offensive line in the playoffs last year. Is one of the things that ended up hurting them when when they eventually lost. Um, but if they could keep Orlando Brown, I don't think the offensive line needs too much work with Ronnie Stanley coming back. Obviously, when they were healthy last year, that offensive line was pretty strong. So. It just depends on the health of that group and everybody coming back. Uh, but I'll operate under the assumption they get Orlando Brown to buy in. It's receiver. And anybody could tell you this. Obviously, Allen Robinson is the guy. Who wouldn't want to go play with Lamar Jackson, be the guy to, to help him take that step? I've been pretty down on Marquise Brown, but if you could get Marquise Brown in the two spot, it's a totally different story. And I think he, he would really improve as a player in that number two role rather than being a number one. So the only problem is beyond Allen Robinson. I don't know how good the fit is with a couple of the other top guys. Like, I don't know if Chris Godwin or Kenny Galladay end up there. So then you have to start getting a little Will Fuller as a guy that I've heard talked about with them. Maybe a good fit with Lamar Jackson. But they Allen Robinson should be the guy they're focused on. He He is... He could be the game-breaker for them and mm-hmm. the one to put them over the top and make them a true contender. And Kalecio Semele played for the Ravens. He was drafted by the Baltimore Ravens, so it would be a reunion with him coming back. I mean, you mentioned it all. Maybe they could go and get a slot cornerback like Kwan Williams. He might not be too expensive. Or a Troy Hill, who's, on, who's 30 years old, undrafted cornerback. He had a good season with the L.A. Rams, but who knows if he's going to get a big payday. I mean, there are a lot of potential guys Maybe you go the route of getting Mike Williams and getting a second and fourth rounder along with him and addressing in the first round the tackle position, then in the second and fourth round going edge rusher and cornerback. There are a lot of different scenarios, but I think we can all agree the position they need to get is wide receiver. Yeah. Getting Lamar Jackson help, whether it's Allen Robinson or Kenny Galladay or a guy like Sammy Watkins or Corey Davis, Marvin Jones, whoever it is, they just need to bring in a guy that can help that offense and open it up because it's a very predictable offense. And who knows if that's just Greg Roman sticking to what he knows and sticking to his guns or the Ravens just not having enough receivers for Greg Roman to open up the playbook more. There are a lot of different factors that factor into that. And that's one of the conversations we had this year. Is it just Greg Roman being too set in his system? We will see if they end up bringing in the guy. Do you think, you mentioned slot corner, do you think Brian Poole will be too expensive for them? I know he had a bit of a down year statistically. So, potentially an option. If they sign a wide receiver, number one, like Allen Robinson or Kenny Galladay, they're going to have to pay them about $10 to $16 million per year. If you do that, 
You can't really spend yeah. anywhere <laughs> else unless you restructure some contracts. And even in that, you won't have too much money. So I, I don't think Brian Poole is very realistic or any top player. If you're getting a top guy in wide receiver and free agency, I don't think any other scenario really fits. Yeah, and there are a couple of good options in free agency too. At, at, or I'm sorry, in the draft at positions they need wide receiver. I love Rashad Bateman, and if he's there towards the end of the first round, I think even if you bring in one of those top wide receivers, it wouldn't be that bad of an idea. You're looking at an Allen Robinson, Marquise Brown, Rashad Bateman core. That that could Mm -hmm. lead to one of the better wide receiving cores in the league in the next couple of years. So surrounding Lamar Jackson with those weapons, guys who are able to get open, that was one of the biggest problems this year. There was no separation created. So maybe bringing in one of those end of the first round wide receivers, also guards, you know, if you wanted to beef up the offensive line, if you do go get a number one wide receiver, you could look at a guy like Wyatt Davis, a guy like Alex Leatherwood that we talked about, Elijah Vera Tucker. So there will be options for them at, at that first round pick that they can fill in at a cheaper option, depending on where they go in free agency, which I think should be wide receiver. Yeah, I agree. And now the last team in this off-season preview that we are going to talk about is the Cincinnati Bengals. The Cincinnati Bengals have $45 million in cap space. They don't have to make any roster cuts because they have they, they don't have any bad contracts. Um, they have 28 pending free agents, and these are the most notable ones. A.J. Green, who's been a longtime Bengal, Sean Williams, John Ross, who was their former first-round pick, who has been disappointing thus far, Mackenzie Alexander, William Jackson, Josh Bynes, and Carl Lawson. And their positions of need are center, guard, and outside linebacker, in my opinion. They run a 4-3 defensive scheme, and I think it's easier to find outside linebackers for that scheme. But I think this offseason is about trying to build an offensive line for when Joe Burrow comes back He's going to have an offensive line. And guys they can target are Alex Mack at center because Billy Price is horrible. Corey Lindsey, David Andrews, Ted Caras, Austin Ryder, Matt Skira at guards. You got DJ Fluker, Kalecio Assembly, Mikey Potty, Austin Blythe, John Feliciano, Brian Winters. And an outside linebacker for their scheme fit, a guy like Deion Devondre Campbell or KJ Wright. Uh, Kama Gruger Hill, Malcolm Smith, a- Alex Anzalone. Um, I think those are some guys that they can target. But ultimately in the draft, I mean, we all think the pick is going to be Penny Sewell, Sewell, Penny Sewell. Yeah. I mean, there are some guys who say that they're going to draft Jamar Chase. I've seen some mock drafts show Jamar Chase. But I think you got to try to draft Penny Sewell. If a team tries to trade up to your spot to get a quarterback, I'd move, I've, I'd trade down and get those picks and then have more picks to get offensive linemen. You could get Darisol with the, if you drop back too, but I've also seen that Sewell is falling back and Darisol is climbing up the board. So so that top 10 is really volatile this yeah. year. Penny, you don't know what's going to happen. Penny Sewell isn't that generational guy that he probably is, but at least he's not being ranked as that right now. I mean, in my opinion, I would draft Penny Sewell and I'd probably go like uh I'd probably go with the guy like uh, Austin Ryder at center. And I wouldn't keep A.J. Green. And I think he's done in Cincinnati. He, he's he been wanting out for a while. I don't think the Bengals need to get a wide receiver. I think T. Higgins showed what he can do last season. Tyler Boyd is a very good slot. And P. 
people sleep on this guy. But Auden Tate is really, really good. He just hasn't had any opportunity to play because the wide receiver room has been stacked. But now that if A.J. Green potentially leaves and Auden Tate gets that shot, I think he's going to be very good in that role. Yeah, and T. Higgins was awesome last year. And you kind of hit on what I was going to talk about. I don't think wide receiver is nearly as big of a need as people make it out to be. With that group of three, maybe you could add a wide receiver later in the draft or a cheaper guy in free agency, but I would target the draft a little bit later on because it's a pretty deep draft. But for me, no-brainer the pick is, is Sewell at you know wherever they end up picking, whether it's trading back or, or staying put. I think Sewell's the pick. I've heard people say that he is the generational talent that Chase Young was at, at edge. He is that on the offensive line. You can't miss that, especially after you just saw what happened to Joe Burrow this past season. I, it would be complete miscarriage of management to not draft an offensive lineman. So I'm definitely going to see well. If not, the only thing I would do is potentially trade back and get Darisaw or whoever falls, whether it's Darisaw getting picked earlier and Sewell falling. But that would be my pick in the first round. As for the free agents, there's really only two guys that I would target to, to bring back. And I've mentioned them a couple times for different teams. I think Carl Lawson more importantly, and William Jackson are the two guys that I would target to bring back. Carl Lawson especially because without him, their mm-hmm. pass rush is essentially non-existent. Personally, I wouldn't mind seeing Geno Atkins go for the money you would save cutting him, but Carl Lawson and William Jackson are really the two free agents that I would key in on bringing them back. And then I think offensive line is where you just have to, to bang home on this offseason. I actually thought that the Bengals' defense was very underrated last season. I don't think they have to make much moves to try to improve the defense. They have a lot of guys like DJ Reader is very good. I would keep Geno Atkins. Logan Wilson wasn't so great as a rookie, but he was a rookie. William Jackson, we know he's phenomenal. For me, though, because Joe Burrow is probably going to be hurt or he might sit out the entire year next season, if Jacoby Brissett is on the open market... I'd give Jacoby Brissett a contract and have him be the quarterback for the team, for for the Bengals for that year. Or Jacoby Brissett or Tyrod Taylor. I think both of those guys just come in and fill in because I'm not sold on Ryan Finley, and I forgot who else was starting for them during the year. I don't even remember, but I'm just not sold on the guys that they have right now. I think Brandon Allen was starting for them for a couple games, but I think you got to bring in a competent quarterback. That's Tyrod Taylor or Jacoby Brissett. Because not only are they going to help you win, but also by bringing in a quarterback who's who's competent at least, you'll see where your roster stands. You know, how good or how bad is your roster? In my opinion, like in the draft, they should target, of course, I think Penny Sewell is a no-brainer guy. But later in the draft, Quinn Manners to replace Billy Price. And at edge, Joseph Osai, Quiddy Pay, um, Rashad Weaver, Joe T- Tryon. Quincy Roche, Patrick Jones, and at tight end, Brevin Jordan. You know, I think C.J. Ozuma, he's okay, but I think they need to get a tight end, and I, I really love Brevin Jordan. And at inside linebacker, they need another cover guy to maybe, you know, replace Logan Wilson or play on the outside linebacker spot. I think that can be Jabril Cox out of LSU. He's really fantastic. He's going to fall later in the, in the draft, and I think those are some good notable guys that they, that they can draft. Yeah, and I like what you mentioned, bringing in a guy like Brissett potentially, just because it, it doesn't even have to be a one-year deal. It could be maybe a multi-year, smaller deal, 
and I said it with the Colts, keeping a veteran guy like that in the quarterback room is so important. The Jets did it when they drafted Sam Darnold, bringing in Josh McCown, and although it didn't pay off in the long run, Josh McCown was huge for that team. After Mm -hmm. starting for them for one season where they were all right, he stayed around, and he was almost like having a second quarterback coach in. And Jacoby Brissett, he's been around the league. He's been in great systems in New England with great quarterbacks. He was in Indianapolis with Andrew Luck. I believe he was there when Andrew Luck was there. So he's been around great quarterbacks. He's been around great head coaches. Bringing him in would just bring more knowledge for a young guy like Joe Burrow. I think that would be a great move just to hold over for the season. Um, in in the later rounds of the draft, guys, they could target maybe Landon Dickerson and an offensive lineman from Alabama if they wanted to go wide receiver in the second round because they have an early second-round pick. Maybe Rondell Moore from Purdue, wide receiver, is a guy who could be available. But I think they're in really good shape, and they're a team like the Jaguars, to me, that could turn it around pretty quick. The only problem is the division is so good. They kind of have to hope that the Steelers fold under Ben Roethlisberger this season and Baker Mayfield doesn't take that next step. And then not not this upcoming year, but I think the next year and the year after that, when Joe Burrow comes back, gets his legs under him. And and I personally, as terrible as it's going to sound, I don't want it to be taken the wrong way. It could be a blessing in disguise that Joe Burrow is going to have to miss pretty much this whole year because, let's be honest, they're probably going to be pretty bad again, especially in that division, and it could result in another high pick beef up that offensive line or, or your weapons even more. And Joe Burrow's coming back into a situation where he'll still be a very young quarterback. He showed what he can be in his, you know, early stage of his, of his rookie year. And I think they're going to be in, in good shape moving forward these next few years. So my potential depth chart for the Cincinnati Bengals is Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Auden Tate, CJ Ozuma, Jonah Williams quit in Spain. They sign Austin Ryder. I think Penny Swool gets drafted but plays the guard spot because Bobby Hart played really good at tackle last season. I think he's a starting tackle in the league, and they move Penny Swool to guard. Then on defense, Sam Hubbard, DJ Reader, they keep Geno Atkins. They don't cut him. They re-sign Carl Lawson. They draft Jabril Cox. They get Logan Wilson to start. They sign Devondre Campbell. And at cornerback, they keep William Jackson, Mackenzie Alexander, Trey Waynes is coming back, Von Bell, and Jesse Bates. And I think this is a really good, competent roster. And if Joe Burrow does not play next year, you bring in a guy like Jacoby Brissett, and let's see how good this team can be. Let's see if this team can be a 500 team, slightly below. I think right now in Jacoby Brissett's career, he wants to, he wants to play. Yeah. And the Indianapolis Colts have not committed to him, who knows if he's going to be back. Maybe he feels disrespected by the Colts because he felt like he earned it. And even after Phillip Rivers retiring, Brissett might feel like he deserves that shot. So he might go to Cincinnati on a one-year deal, you know, to prove himself. To try out. Mm -hmm. So I think it makes sense for both sides. But overall, this offseason to me is just about getting an offensive line for when Joe Burrow comes back or for Joe Burrow does play next season, he's protected. You know, yeah. he's protected. And, and this season, when we were doing pickems, every time I saw the Bengals, when Joe Burrow was healthy, I gave it a second thought. And I think the Bengals next year, even without Joe Burrow, if they bring in a competent quarterback, I think they're going to be one of those teams that is, is going to put up a fight every Sunday. Yep, I agree. And this is going to do it for this episode of the Pick Aside Podcast, episode 68. You can find us on Instagram and on TikTok at Pick Aside Podcast. 
and on Twitter at Pick Aside Pod. We appreciate all you guys that have been listening and watching throughout the live stream. We know that this episode kind of dragged. Riv had to leave early. These off-season previews are kind of like this. That's why we're trying to do four a week so it doesn't feel like this all the time. But since free agency is closing in, we kind of just have to knock these out the park. But very soon after these off-season previews, even though I like researching them, we're going to start talking about more hypothetical stuff and more stuff that we can debate, which I think is going to be really, really fun. But thank you guys for sticking with us. If you guys have not rated our podcast on Apple Podcasts, go do that now. Write us a review. Each each review we will read on this podcast and shout you guys out because it truly does mean a lot. But thank you guys for listening and watching, and we'll see you guys next time. This is BJ Kissel from KC Sports Network. In case you didn't know, the show you are listening to right now, as well as our shows, are a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Blue Wire was founded in 2018 on the concept that independent podcasts would be more successful if they worked together. It's something we've actually done locally with our network in Kansas City as well. We're all stronger together. Today, Blue Wire has grown to feature 300 shows led by former athletes, media professionals, and passionate fans. Over the past few years, Blue Wire has privately raised more than $10 million to expand their team, podcast network, and business operations. Now, they are raising another round on WeFunder. WeFunder is a crowdfunding service that connects startups with investors. It's a cool platform that gives everyone the opportunity to be a part of a growing startup. You can invest for as little as $100. In other words, you don't have to be a millionaire to invest in cool companies on WeFunder. BlueWire is raising money to expand their sales team and improve operations, which will in turn help this show continue to grow. If you would like to be a part of the BlueWire investment round or want to find out more information, go to wefunder.com slash bluewire.